0: Did't you say what was the story that you got your phone pickpocketed somewhere after a conference
1: in, Yes, it was what was that in Dallas? It was in Dallas. It was a big event, uh probably in the nineties, and uh, I was uh uncovering a huge misdirection that nobody knew about. It was a guy named Antonio Vesiana. And uh, he was allegedly. They say he was working for the CIA the whole time. Uh, he was in Cuba first. He was a banker, and then um, joined a CIA managed thing. Uh, MRP doesn't mm-hmm. matter what that stands for. But um, and then and they didn't like it. The MRP, including him, didn't like it because um, once they took the money from the CIA. They had to do whatever the CIA said. They didn't like that. So he came to the United States. And he, he started uh, telling the CIA lies. And, and, uh, and, and he stole their money and did stuff like that. He, didn't, he wasn't working for the CIA anymore. But everybody thought he did. And what he was working for was the military. And what he was doing right during the Cuban Missile Crisis was sinking Russian ships to start World War III because the military wanted him to do that. And I figured that out, and I had tons of evidence, tons of evidence that was released. All of his friends, his best friends, all said the same thing about—they put him in jail for a long while because a lot of those CIA guys were running dope you know, in South American stuff. So they had it on everybody. And so— So what they do sometimes, if they want to use somebody, they say, okay, uh, here's what you're going to do for us. And if he says no, okay, he can put him in jail. Mm. And so he ended up in jail. And way late, like 19, no, not 19, um, 20-something. And um, no, it it was 1976. Why were there so many CIA guys running dope? Because it's it's fungible money. It doesn't exist, and they do lots of operations that way. It's a really it's a really screwed up system. <clears throat> but look, uh, we're not going to talk about that. I, what I want to tell you is, is that when um, they put him in jail, and uh, they let him out really early, they they busted him for twenty five kilos of um, cocaine. Twenty-five kilos is what he had that particular day, <laughs> and that that get that gets you about um, two uh, non-consecutive twelve-year uh, terms instantly. So he was he was going to be locked up for at least twelve years, if not more than that. And uh, they let him out in about uh, less than two years, mm-hmm. and there was no reason why. <laughs> And so that was missing. Somebody walked into the—it was, was a penitentiary uh, and walked in there and said something. And next thing you know, he's out. And what they did was they said, you've got, here's what you've got to say. You've got to say that you're working for the CIA the whole time. And he said, fine. The problem with that was there was so much evidence to the contrary. So he struggled for years. To make that work, because that's what they forced him to do. And um, but while he was still alive, he and he wrote a book about about it to you. He's got a book, Vessiana does. How do you say his last name? V-E-C-I-A-N-A. Vesiana. Vessiana. Okay. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> Antonio Vesiana did got, you know, they they went ahead and arrested him and they let him out when they, he did what they wanted to do. But the problem with that was me because I was sitting there looking at all of his friends said that he made that story up to get out of jail. All of them. And, they, the, and his friends were working for the FBI. And you can't lie to the FBI. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so uh, it, that was the, the, the time that this happened, this, this event where they took my, my phone out of my possession and, and put it back in. Beautiful pickpocket. Arrange stuff. I didn't even know what happened. Wow. Okay, but 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 what I, we, I was able to do was to get a hold of uh, in the
0: nineties. What would your Apple. phone look like? Oh, did, oh, this was after the iPhone was out.
1: Yeah, I think probably two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Okay. in there. Okay, it was just cut and dry. And the problem was, so many people. What they did? Here's what they did to get people to believe this.
0: Hey guys, I want to ask you a quick favor. Over the last few months. Almost 70% of the viewers of this podcast are not subscribed to the channel. The most important common denominator that allows me to keep creating these podcasts every single week is you hitting that subscribe button below the videos. I want to thank every single one of you who watches and supports these podcasts. I would not be able to do it without you. Please hit that subscribe button if you enjoy it. Now back to the show.
1: Um, so they say that <clears throat> David Atley Phillips, who everybody thought was a big guy in the CIA that was behind... Were involved in the Kennedy assassination.
0: David Atlee Phillips. I don't think I've ever even heard that name.
1: Yeah, but if you were if you're a JFK nut, you would know all about it, because he meets Vespa in a hotel in Dallas, Texas, and um, that is where uh, <clears throat> Oswald is there for the meeting, and this is only uh, months before the Kennedy assassination. So it looks like uh, they're plotting. Uh, that this guy uh, is plotting Kennedy's murder that's so they they put Vesiana and Phillips in the same uh, office area of a big bank in, in Dallas together the three of them so that's that's proof that's proof that that uh Phillips was in on it and he's a big CIA guy so you know it's it Everybody after that said the CIA killed killed Kennedy.
0: This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13.
1: This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser. Mean
0: Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's
1: new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink
0: and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free.
1: And they wouldn't give it up no matter what. And so I came along and showed that Vesciana was working for the military and... All it shit hit the fan. And so, um, and I was there. That was the first. Now, I've been talking about it in, in a couple of small things, but this was a great big convention that particular year. And everybody knew that I was going to discuss the Antonio Vassiana story. This is one of the biggest misdirections ever because you can't figure out the Armageddon that was, kind of that, that was under, underway. Um, at the time, that's what it was. That's what they were trying to do was to blow the planet, not to blow the planet up, but to blow all the, you know, the Russia, China, all those those countries. And and so Vesiana was a way to help pin this on the CIA. So you don't know who's actually behind all this this Armageddon stuff going on. It's the military, and he was working for the military so the whole time. So they
0: wanted people to think it was the CIA. Yes.
1: Wow. Yes. Er, er, just before I went in to do my presentation, I went into the uh, book room, uh-huh. and I didn't know when I came out that I had no longer had my phone. I found that out after the presentation was was over, and um, and they put it back in. Uh, in
0: your pocket? In, in, in your no, bag? No, in the carry bag. Oh, okay, gotcha. In carry bag. Gotcha.
1: And so uh, when it was over, everybody lines up to talk to, to me, right? And I'm still in, on the dais, and there's this guy, and looks like he's in his late 50s, wearing a, a jacket and slacks, uh-huh. no tie or anything, and, and his mostly gray hair, and just regular looking guy. And he says, You're okay. You're okay. It's okay. They just want to know what you know. You're good. Don't worry. And I didn't know that the, I had my phone back, <clears throat> and I found that later. So there, there, I, I missed, I, I, I put two things together. There were actually a couple of events in between. And uh, Apple actually located the, my phone was somewhere in the building, like straight up. So we right knew it was argue. in the building. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, they put it back in. What did you do after he told you that? <laughs> I didn't know what to make of it. I thought this guy was a crazy guy. But uh, it took me about a year or so to really figure out really? what that means. Yeah, because, <clears throat> um, yeah, I, just, I didn't get it that, that they were that interested in me, <laughs> right? Uh, I hadn't gotten that far in, in terms of, of any notoriety or anything like that. So, um, yeah, but that's what happened. That's what they wanted. And then I had other things happen to me later on when people, um, it, XCI people would say stuff to me that was good you know that they were they there 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 were times when they actually applauded what i was doing mm-hmm. and and give me some information and i did that with uh, another researcher whose name i forget right now but anyway i've gone through a lot of things in a lot of years and it's it was apparent to me that the old guard uh was not involved um and there were involvements of the cia but very very seldom did it ever be uh, was it ever an assassination because they don't do that they don't kill people very well who and doesn't the cia they don't shoot people uh but they tried they tried to get uh um well the paramilitary branch does yeah you can say that if you want but the
0: the thing is i mean they conducted a lot of assassinations over the years <laughs> yeah
1: but it's it's not it's not the same thing that we're talking about here. Okay. So right, 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 there right. there are all kinds of things uh, in some of those small countries uh, in the Caribbean and, right. and elsewhere down Dominican there Republic. where, yeah. So, but they're not CIA people. They're agents working for the CIA mm-hmm. that, and, and so it's, they, they never get, they can't be prosecuted for because they didn't do any shooting, right. but they, they had, there was one time when they tried to use a, uh, the CIA in 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 uh, um, a a shooting, um, which was um, who was it? This guy was a mobster, and I'm forgetting his name right now. Okay, but um, they decided uh, uh, is it Giancana? It was either Giancana. One of the one of the big mobsters uh, they wanted. It wasn't Giancana, but uh, they wanted to kill him, and. Um, Wanted to kill who? The mobster.
0: Who? The CIA. Wait, 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 I'm lost. Who wanted to kill the mobster? The CIA. The CIA wanted to kill the mobster.
1: Yeah. Got it. Okay, that's right. And uh, so they hired some people to do it. And um, what happened was, the people that were in on that were a bunch of mobsters, and and they didn't they didn't do the killing because they realized that since the CIA had hired them to do murder, they could do anything they wanted for the rest of their lives. Mm. It was the goal, the goose that laid the golden egg, and the CIA was so stupid to hire a bunch of those people because they didn't do the killing. No, it was to kill Castro. It was to kill Castro, to use the mob to kill Castro, and they hired him. They hired these, these people to, to do it. And they said to themselves, this is great. And so they started doing stuff and they got busted and arrested, mm-hmm. and then Bobby Kennedy had to step in, and and say, "You can't prosecute, you can't prosecute. Why not? Well, because uh, it's gonna it's gonna unravel the you know what we're doing with the CIA." Wow. Now, um, that is is the one time that I know. That there was uh, a deliberate plan at the highest levels in the CIA, not just some freaks, you know, <laughs> running around paying some guys down in Guatemala like that. Uh, but, um, yeah, that that was – and they learned their lesson because they were never able to prosecute them for anything. Mm. And uh, they they had all kinds of stuff going on because of it. And, and eventually they realized that that was the absolute wrong thing to do because mm. – You don't hire the mob to do assassinations. You can hire somebody else that you can actually push around, but you can't push around. Look, the mobsters are big guys who are connected to to all kinds of power, right? And that was a stupid move that they made. Mm -hmm. So um, you want to hire – if you want somebody to die – you have you have plenty of people over there in the Pentagon that'll take care of that for you in the Pentagon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure they but they do it and get away with it because they're they're that good. Right. They have, you know, they have sniper teams.
0: Right. So, the reason I wanted to bring you back, John, is because we got a lot to cover. We covered a lot of Pop pops mole the last time you were here, which was fascinating and um I wanted to cover more of what was going on behind the scenes leading up to the assassination mm-hmm. of j f k yep um <clears throat> and like we were talking about yesterday, one of the frustrating things is all you see. In the media or on the internet, when you search for the JFK assassination, is people talking about what happened on November twenty second, nineteen sixty three right. in Dealey Plaza, and you don't talk about that day very much.
1: Yeah, I will be talking more <clears throat> about it, but it's it's uh, you have to understand that that what happens there is the cover up. <laughs> it's not the 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 real story is who decided that Kennedy was going to be cashiered and how they got away with it. Mm-hmm. So if all you do is, is start talking about you know the, the bullet went here and uh, there was and the, the, the head was this way and and you argue about that incessantly people love
0: that though because it's so much more attractive to talk about that stuff except it's they so-
1: argue with each other for, and, and, and get they're venal. I mean it's crazy. people start arguing about the brains and body body parts and everything else. And tons of of arguments about exactly the head was was, was this way Mm -hmm. and and the throat wound and the one in the back, they moved it. Somebody moved it up. It was Gerald Ford who became a president. That guy moves the the back wound up so it can fit with uh, somebody's single bullet theory. So Mm. they, they give all kinds of things. And then what this causes is people to keep talking about that stuff and arguing about that stuff. Now, some people are smarter than others, but there are only a handful of them that can actually deal with forensics because they're trained in forensics. We have hundreds of people who have no training in forensics arguing about it all the time on the Internet. OK, so understand that this is what is so frustrating and, and nobody is paying attention to who was behind it. And how they got away with it that's what the CIA did most most of was the cover-up to put it in place beforehand mm-hmm. and not tell the head of the CIA who was at that time McCone. had no idea what they were doing so this is not the whole CIA it's a rogue element that is actually just operating with how to get away with the plan in other words how you're gonna shoot the president and once that happens nothing's gonna happen in fact the FBI and the CIA are going to be scared to do anything at, at all. There was no investigation except for the Warren Report. Right. And Earl Warren went along with a top secret deal that they made, which was he was told that that uh, it was the 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 hit was done uh, by Castro and the KGB, and mm-hmm. Oswald was the shooter. And and so if the truth got out. The American people would instantly demand war, and forty thousand millions—excuse me, forty million <laughs> Americans were going to die. That story was actually put before Earl Warren, and he eventually caved in and said, "Okay, now that you put it that way, I guess I'll have to take the job." So you see, he's he's a chief justice, and this is an executive commission. We're supposed to have a. You know, a separation between those two parts of our government. So, what if the if if something happens and in the chief justice has to recuse himself because there's litigation, mm-hmm. he didn't want to do it for obvious reasons. But they 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 told him, in in and, and LBJ just said, I just told him a little story about Mexico City, and he cried, and then he said, okay. I'll have to take the story, and and believe it or not, who cried? Earl Warren. Earl Earl Warren. Yeah. When when he was being bamboozled and pushed around, you know, to to go <clears throat> along with this story. Wow. And so he he actually vouched for the story himself. Earl Warren did mm-hmm. on TV, right? Where I live, WETA in Washington. The only mm-hmm. thing he left out was he cried the rest of it was they said mr president it's going to be 40 million dead americans if if you don't do this and he and he and he said on tv mm-hmm. i i guess i better take the job if that's the, if that's the case wow now therefore there was a non investigation that was the whole point mm-hmm. is to kill the president and there's no investigation there's just uh, some stuff that the FBI makes, up. and of course, guess who Hoover is going to say all kinds of stuff to make sure that the FBI has nothing to do with anything, and they did, as you will know, as you've seen some of the slides that I will deal with today, yeah. show how the FBI lowered Oswald's threat profile so that he could be on the parade route. Right. Okay, and right. when, when when Hoover found out about that, he went sky high. And so, uh, but Hoover was the one who got to put the report together, and you can believe that the the, the FBI didn't have anything to do with it because Hoover doesn't want that, Mm. right? So it scared the CIA, a lot of people in the CIA that had been watching Oswald, and the the public thing was, oh, he was a lone nut, and we never touched the CIA— We, the CIA, never had anything to do with him. We weren't even interested in him. And when, in fact, there were tons of of people who were in the CIA and else the FBI and elsewhere in, in the government that were keeping files on Oswald the entire time, all the way back to 1959 and all the way up to 1963. And all this information has been declassified? Yes, we know a lot about that now. That's so wild. We know a lot about <clears throat> that now. And, and, and so, yes. But they – so now the, the, the official position of the CIA, as far as I can understand it, right, is right. no comment. They used to deny everything. It
0: has been declassified, but no comment. If, they, you, if you want to go dig through the papers they are the ones
1: that they, not declassifying. It was taken away from them by the JFK Records Act. Right. There were a group of people that couldn't uh, ever have worked in Washington. They were, were put in charge the Assassination Records Review Board, and those are the people who decided what would be class declassified and what wouldn't be. And of course, the, the CIA would be begging, you know, to mm-hmm. n- not do this or not do that. But they couldn't. They didn't have the power. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of declassification going on. And so that's why I'm telling you that there are current people in the CIA that don't want me saying what's been declassified because they don't want anybody to know about that. Mm Do you realize the people that I'm teaching in my school now were born in the 21st century? They have no recollection of any of this stuff that we're talking about. So if I talk about it now, I'm informing a new generation of people about what happened back then. What do you think is the most damning evidence
0: against the the government or against the against the military in general or against the CIA in general that you've found through all of your research like what is the most
1: the last the 6 weeks of hard Kennedy, evidence? the last 6 weeks of kennedy's <laughs> life the last 6 weeks all, yes. all
0: the the suppression of the 201 files there
1: there are at least 4 if not 5 different sets of activities that took place at the same time all at the same time that ended up in kennedy's murder and had to. Otherwise, Oswald wouldn't have been on the parade route for one thing. And, th- and there are many other reasons why. We're getting ahead of this. Let's get uh,
0: into it. Let's get into it. Okay. So, in your view, what is the most important pieces, piece or pieces of evidence that, have, that you have revealed in regards to the assassination of President Kennedy?
1: Okay, it's a very large operation. took a long time to prepare. Um, I've been working on it probably for 12 years planning to publish and it keeps mo- moving downstream because I keep finding other things especially about spy services that make it better. And so but making it better could go on forever. So November of last year I started went to Duquesne University mm-hmm. and gave a, a 40-minute presentation for the first time on what I think happened in uh, the assassination of President Kennedy and how how they got away with it. And um, so today we're going to get deeper into that, and um, hopefully I can use you <laughs> as well as, as what I have here to have a conversation where we don't go too deep. Because each one of these slides has a ton of material that goes behind it, and we could be here for a week talking about it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm going to start by saying that there are a confluence of, e- of events that took place in the last six weeks of Kennedy's life. So we're talking about September, about the time that uh, Taylor and McNamara come back from a Vietnam tour, and um, so. But some of the antecedents uh, were were taking place earlier, some very much earlier. But I'm going to mention one of them now because it's about Armageddon and it's Op Plan 34A, mm-hmm. uh, which is on our screen here. Now, uh, it Op Plan 34A uh, has a history here, and and uh, it starts out. Um, with um, the Joint Chiefs of Staff uh, ordering the Commander-in-Chief Pacific—he's right there on your screen, Admiral Felt—to uh, prepare plans for South Vietnamese operations against North Vietnam. Um, and so that was started to take place in in May of 1963 at a Secretary of Defense conference uh, at, at at the beginning, uh, when SYNCPAC, Pack, the Commander-in-Chief Pacific, put this together, it was a SYNC pack PAC operational plan, 3463 The 63 is for 1963. Mm-hmm. Uh, over time, it, it changes. And so what happens is at that um, particular SECDEF conference, um, the, this guy here, who's Je- Lieutenant General Krulak, Uh, who is a uh, um, Saxa guy. He uh, is for a a different kind of warfare. Um, And he was at a very high level in in the Pentagon, but he came to that Secretary of Defense Conference, which is very interesting why he would even be there participating. But he's the one who put forward uh, the proposal um, to do this uh, uh, for SINCPAC, and uh, so it's reported at that conference separately by this man, General Krulak. Now the problem with it, um, yeah, SAXA stands for Special Assistance for Counterinsurgency Activities. That was his job, mm-hmm. high uh, high up in the in the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happened was it disappeared. This piece, the rest of the of that conference was was is is you know can be you can look at it. But the problem with, with the op plan, it went away. And the State Department heard about it and said, we can't find it. It's gone. It's, it, there's no such thing. There's No such report has been found. Well, of course, it couldn't be found because as soon as Krulak briefed it, it was made secret and taken out of so nobody could see it. How did you find it? Well, because we have it now. But that's what happened at the time. That's what happened at the time. We have oh, this was declassified we, later. Yes, okay. we we have we have <laughs> the op plan, et cetera. But anyway, at the time, uh, it, they didn't want anybody to know right. about it. Right. Right. And and you know how long it took before people knew about this particular plan? How long? Two days before Kennedy was murdered, at another SecDef conference on twenty November nineteen sixty-three in Honolulu. Yes, that's how long they kept this secret. But that's when it really started, in May. In May, okay. Okay? And so um, in the end, uh, this guy here, General Maxwell Taylor, is going to be the one who puts it into play after Kennedy is dead. He was the one who went with McNamara to Vietnam in September and came back. And on the way back, uh, they had the plan, which which said that the uh, what, what Kennedy wanted, which was to start the withdrawal of American advisors from Vietnam that year. Uh, he comes back and and they're at Honolulu on the way back home, right? They went to Vietnam, stopped over at Honolulu, and on the way there, there's this guy from the State Department who says he he was actually working in in, in the embassy in 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 Vietnam, and he said, and- look. We're not taking people out. We're going to put more people in. If you guys are going to do this, I'm going to do a dissenting opinion. And so um, they said, Mac- Mac- or shoot, Taylor said, fine, we'll take it out. And they did. And so you have a copy of the report as it stood at Honolulu, and there's no withdrawal is, of advisors. It's, there are, it's the, gone. The
0: stopover in Honolulu yes, is, they, is on the 20th? no. Okay, it's way before.
1: You no, know, it's not way before. It's just very soon before. Okay. It's just a stopover. It's a couple of days. Okay, but they take it out, and that's. And we have a copy of the way that it looked then because we know it was out. But but when they get back, uh, in in its um, uh, end of September, it's late September. Okay. They get back. They go into the Oval Office, and there's a lot of people there to, for the briefing. Okay, and uh, they get up. The two of them, uh, Kennedy and and uh, Taylor, get up. And McNamara get up and walk to the next room and they put they put the uh, withdrawal plan back in and they come back out and, and debrief everybody. They so took they, it
0: okay, let, let me recap. So in Honolulu, they the guy who was at the embassy in Saigon yeah. basically said, If you guys if you guys say you want to take people out of Saigon, I'm gonna write a dissenting opinion yeah. and cause a shit show. And they said, okay, okay, fine. We're going to take it out. We'll take it out of the plan. And then when they go back to the Oval Office to meet Kennedy and McNamara, they slide Kennedy's Kennedy, plan back in. So McNamara Kennedy.
1: McNamara's there, right? So McNamara was there and so was Taylor. Oh, so so McNamara knew about this. Yes, but what he didn't know is that these guys wanted not to do it. But if, if, if Taylor starts... Saying I disagree with what you're doing, then he's going to give himself away. He knows that he's going to be the one doing it, right? And everybody is is completely flummoxed by it. And there's a lot of dissension going on in the room, and the rest of the day down in the basement of the White House, it's the same thing. People are saying this is crazy. We no can't else, take people. We no can't else take people to take out. Take people
0: out of Vietnam. That's
1: right. right. So that's what's going on. Now Taylor doesn't raise his voice about anything Mm. he's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff Mm -hmm. he's the one who gets to make decisions about these types of things and so what he does for the next six weeks of Kennedy's life is to gut the withdrawal plan and at the same time stand up op plan 34a secretly both of those things he did behind McNamara's and Kennedy's back for those last six weeks of his life. Oh, McNamara didn't pre- even know. No. Okay. They didn't tell McNamara. McNamara was on Kennedy's side. Okay. Got it. I didn't know Taylor that. was supposed to be, but he wasn't. He was waiting for his moment. And that's what they did. And it's terrible. The, the, the data that I can show you that what was left out of the plan is, 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 is like 70, 78% of it was gone. Wow. And we can get into the details of it. Anyway, that is one thing that was going on in those six weeks and we got three or four more to, to lay right beside him so all these things had to happen at the same time uh, in order for this to work so um we'll go ahead and move to the next piece of evidence which is what are we going to do with oswald
0: number three lowering oswald's threat level at vanderbilt university on may 18th 1963 John F. Kennedy said, Our progress as a nation can be no swifter than our progress in education. Continuous learning is what makes our country so great. And one of my goals for this channel is not just to entertain, but for everyone to learn. And one of the best ways to do so is by learning a new language. One in five Americans has learning a new language on their bucket list. And if that's you, make 2024 your year by checking that off your bucket list with Babbel. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. I always binge Babbel's courses when I'm gearing up to go on a trip. It helps me to prepare my conversational skills so I can deal with real people in real-life situations when I'm ordering food or asking for directions or dealing with merchants. And to me, what helps set Babbel above the rest is their speech recognition technology, which helps hone in your accent and pronunciation. Studies from Yale, Michigan State, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold, plus all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. And here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 50% off a one-time payment for a lifetime Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com danny. Again, get 50% off at babbel.com slash Danny. It's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash D-A-N-N-Y. Rules and restrictions may apply. It's linked below. Now back to the show. Well, this yes. was very sinister.
1: Well, because if if Oswald, who was a communist defector, right, back in 1959, and at this time, what is he doing? He's down in Mexico City trying to defect a second time. Right, right. All right,
0: to the, the Soviet Union through Cuba, right? Yeah,
1: and it says in his in his uh, in his uh, passport that he that's illegal that that you can go back if you want to the Soviet Union, but you can't go through Cuba. So right. what does he do? He goes down and, w- and says, "I want to go through Cuba," but the problem with this is that a two time communist defector in a, an overview pos- uh, position of the parade route, you, you can't imagine. That happening, because right. the Secret Service removes anybody yes. who's on the uh, list of people that are a threat. They mm-hmm. have to take them off. The security list, the security index, it's called, mm-hmm. okay? And so we to get to, to – now, the FBI is the one that does that, not the CIA. But the CIA is taking care of business here by le- lowering its threat profile. And so –
0: it was October when he was in Mexico City trying to defect. Yes, and he and what happened was the the person in the embassy in Mexico City called up CIA, right? And they said there's this guy down here he's trying to defect. His name is Win Scott. Win Scott.
1: He's in charge down there in Mexico City and he doesn't know who this guy Oswald is and he's going all around to these communist consulates and he asks who, who is this guy? Right? Mm-hmm. And so A lot of people knew what Oswald was doing in New Orleans. It's all he was on the news. He was in a courtroom uh, and and he was put in a jail. And Hoover wrote letterhead memoranda that summer to the CIA. But guess what happened to it? It got filed in places where nobody could find it at the CIA, Mm -hmm. except for a couple of people. And here's my evidence right here. Um, these, uh, what we're looking at here is a combination of things. Where did you find this? These are declassified documents and these are the pieces of them. These are the routing and record sheets that shows everybody in the CIA who actually saw these things that uh, Hoover sent and, and, and they had to initial with their initials and date. So we know who, who actually had access to it. And it's only a few people. It's only like three or four people in the whole CIA. And one of them was Jane Roman. She was the, um, uh, um, she was the person liaison for uh, counterintelligence in 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 the CIA. And so she had access to it. You can see uh, counterintelligence lays on right here. And there's mm-hmm. Jane Roman. There's her little initials. Okay. And that was on this report here. This this report was about everything Oswald was doing in Dallas and, and so on. And this is the next one that came in. And this is in October. Okay. September and October. Uh, that This stuff is coming. It it's, it's dated here, but you can see the people are signing off on it in October over here. It's going and making the rounds. And uh, these are the people that know. And um, these so, are
0: just reports on his activities in these in Dallas and in New Orleans.
1: That's right. Okay. So, so and here, Mexico City. That's right. we this. Uh, they're they're trying to figure out what's happening down there in Mexico City. Now, what ends up happening is that when who who's going to answer the, the the call or the the cable at okay. CIA and at FBI let's do the CIA first and so it's a guy by the name of John Witten he's the guy who has the desk at CIA headquarters to communicate with Win Scott that's his job he's got the Mexico City desk so he's the one who has to tell Win Scott who this guy is okay and he says oh he looks at the 201 file for the guy and says, yeah, well, our latest headquarters information is, is May 62. Oswald is still in, in the Soviet Union in May 62. It's all gone. He's the guy who's supposed to know what's happening and, and, who, and who can answer the question. But it's all gone. So nobody in the CIA except for these few people know about it. So that's when I decided to go see Jane Roman. Jeff Morley and I went over, we got her address on Rock Creek Park, and and I showed her these documents, what were behind the routing sheets, that, the actual documents that Hoover sent. And I said, do you remember reading this? And she said, yeah, sure. I remember reading it. And we talked about that. I, I got her to, to remember everything that she read on these things. And I and and you signed off on them. Yeah, I right. did. Yeah, I did. I said, well, why did you sign off on this one down here? Mm-hmm latest headquarters information is May 62 when you were signing off on these things in October of 63 and then her mouth smiled and you know the, the sides went up towards the ears and it, she said she said she knew okay she okay this is what she said yes i'm signing off on something i know isn't true wow she took a lot of heat for that too. Really? Yes, she did. They really made her life difficult. Anyway, so I asked her. I said, "Well, why, why would you do this? Why, why? And, and what, what do you think about this false cable that would that wrote?" And she says to me, "Well, to me, it's indicative of a keen interest in Oswald, held very closely on a need to know basis. What that does, it blows through." A, countless years of denial that they had any interest in Oswald at all I mean look at it yeah this is the liaison person at the highest levels who's saying she's admitting she lied she's she's admitting that the United States uh, Central Intelligence Agency had a keen interest in Oswald held very closely on a need- to know basis right that's why they were mar- mad at her because she let the, the you know she let it out. OK, so it's important to understand this is going on. So so um, and that's why I like to, to show you this this uh, this uh, picture here. That's the uh, book depository. And so if, if Oswald's up here and this guy is, is a two time commie defector uh, and a Castro uh, Castro guy, um, what's he doing up there? He right. should be he he should be on the security index. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here he is. With, with the rifle that was supposedly used up there in his backyard uh, being a uh, so-called picture taken by by uh, Marina, his his, his uh, wife. wife. Yeah. But the shadows are all wrong and everything's on. Anyway, I, I like to, to just put this down here at the bottom of that picture. A flea at a Lysol party.
0: A flea at a Lysol party. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, the, in other words, the odds of this being true, that this guy's supposed to be up there, is about like what, what happened to a, a flea at a Lysol convention. It doesn't happen. It's, it's crazy. It's stupid. So I thought I'd make a little joke okay. of that, okay, just for some humor. But it's not humorous, actually, because Kennedy's going to die.
0: Um, anyway, so— But they completely removed any sort of threat level on the FBI and the CIA, so he could well, have been there.
1: We, we've done the CIA. Now comes the next one, comes the FBI. We have independent attestation of the same hoax going on at CIA and FBI. So veteran FBI um, supervisor, his name is Marvin Giesling, was assigned to handle the same unexpected cable from Mexico City as, mm. as uh, Witten did. He worked for the FBI, uh, FBI's espionage division for a long time, and he had been put in charge of Oswald's FBI espionage file uh, when he defected to the Soviet Union back in 1959. Mm-hmm. Okay? At that time, Geisling immediately put Oswald on what they called a flash stop on anything in that file. you couldn't you couldn't read it and you couldn't put anything in there without his permission because he was one who owned that and it was very, very sensitive for lots of reasons that all the, these United States and the State Department and the Navy and everybody else was had gone crazy. This is October 1959, mm-hmm. okay? But the problem is now we go forward. To 1963, Mm -hmm. exactly four years after Oswald's defection, Giesling, too, had to reply to the request from Scott. Scott from Mexico City. That's right, Wynn Scott. And incredibly, after all those years, including all of Oswald's uh, lures in Mexico and his Castro capers in New Orleans, Giesling swallows hard because he knows. See, Witten didn't know. Right? Because Winton had the 201 file. He didn't lie. The 201 file lied to him because everything was taken out of it. Right. Okay, over here, this guy knows because he's got the file. He's got the whole file on Oswald going all the way back to 59. He was the one in charge of it. Mm-hmm. So he does the same thing. But he has to swallow hard when he does it because he knows what he's doing. So
0: right? So he straight up lies. He
1: takes this shocking act of avoiding Os- Oswald's threat status by removing the flash stop. So now the red light stop spinning in the FBI about Oswald. There's no, you know, so he's okay. So he's not on the security index. Therefore, he's re- not removed from the parade route. The FBI is the one charged so with what, doing this. So what
0: happens when Mexico City desk calls Giesling?
1: He tells him that it, there's, there's nothing to worry about. And he, kno- and he knows there is.
0: What was their question? They say this guy's trying to defect. Who is he?
1: Well, he doesn't say very much. He just says, here, he removes the, the flash. Stop on, on Oswald. Okay. Anyway, the, the, the point is that um, what we do know about this is what when Hoover found out what he did. Hoover punished him <clears throat> for his perfidy and disciplined many more agents because they didn't react to Scott's memo. So essentially, they're not re- they're not doing the same. They're not saying very much, right? He's not. Marvin Giesling is not saying very much. Right. He has the memo from Winscott asking the question. What does he do? He doesn't say very much to Win Scott, but he takes Oswald, you know, and puts in t- removes the flash. So Oswald is now no longer going to be on the security index. Right. Now you have the the red the flashing red lights turned off in the CIA and the FBI. And look, and this is October. And why did Giesling do this? Why do you why do you suspect Giesling did this? Okay, here's my answer. Now, by the way, here's the proof right here. Uh this is a, a that okay. a, you can see this this is a a document that was declassified. You can see that the flash was put on – the stop was put on back in 1959 when Oswald was in, in – And he was yes. in the Soviet Union. He's, yeah. Right, he, right, right. He's done that. And now here we are in, in October 9th, 1963 when it's – when the flash, flash is canceled.
0: So that's when he's in Mexico City in 1963, Oc- October 9th.
1: Yes. And now to answer your question, why Giesling was never deposed and asked directly why he removed Oswald from yes. the FBI's espionage list – or who told him to do it? Right is one of the crucial lingering questions unsolved in the assassination of President Kennedy. Nobody he was knows. Never
0: deposed. Nobody ever asked. He
1: him. was dis- disciplined, but by Hoover. Yes, and a lot of other people were too. But that was the end of it. Hoover doesn't want any of this stuff to come out. That's fucking crazy. So this is work with what we have, and that's what we're seeing here now. These are two things. That I've already described. We we know we mm-hmm. know what Taylor's up to. Look, they got back. Uh, it just it was the end of September, so it was in early October that NSAM two sixty three Kennedy put there secretly at first. What was NSAM two sixty three? The withdrawing of one thousand U.S. Uh, uh, advisors from right, Vietnam right. by the end of nineteen sixty three, and yes. all out by sixty five.
0: And that was what was taken out of the plan in Honolulu, and then put back into the plan when they showed it the president in yeah and the it White had House.
1: everybody very upset
0: because exactly. nobody wanted to withdraw from Vietnam except for Kennedy he was the only one
1: yeah well McNamara was going to help him do that right right okay yeah
0: and at the same simultaneously the FBI and the CIA are lowering Oswald's threat on their espionage list did you ask Jane Roman what her opinion was on on this whole thing
1: like, I did and she told me the answer. This is indicative of a very high level keen interest in Oswald on a need-to-know basis. Nobody – that's what she said.
0: She's essentially I, like the closest living person to this whole this whole cover-up.
1: Well, and Geisling is too. Is he still alive? Oh, I don't know if he's alive or not right now. Probably not. And she's, she might, she's probably dead, too. Oh, you think? Okay. Well, it, and chances are. You know, yeah. because it's how, long ago, how,
0: how long ago was that when you talked to her?
1: Uh, maybe. 2000s? Yeah, 2000s. So let's, let's go to some of the <clears throat> other things that were happening at the same time. The Buddhist crisis uh, is one of the things that started Kennedy on changing his mind about a lot of things. He hadn't done much for Martin Luther King, even though he helped get him in office. And there, he was ang- MLK was angry over that. Kennedy didn't do anything about civil rights. Right. He didn't do anything about detente with the Soviet Union. And he didn't do anything about getting out of Vietnam. He wanted to get out of Vietnam, but he thought he could wait till he got reelected. But the problem was this thing right here
0: yeah, where the Buddhist lit himself on fire,
1: yeah, it it the political bottom dropped out in Vietnam, right? So he had <clears throat> so what what he was faced with was he had to accelerate the withdrawal plan instead of it starting in fifty after the election in sixty late sixty four, it was now going to have to start right away to get it cast in concrete, as he said. And so he went to, you know, uh, to American University and gave this speech nobody knew was coming. About détente with the Soviet Union, and and then the very next night he goes on TV and tells it says how terrible it it's been. He hasn't done anything on civil rights, and he wants to do that now. And it was a long speech, and very it's 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 an amazing speech. And uh, and so the only thing he didn't say publicly was the withdrawal stuff because that was secret, mm. and he didn't put it into an NSAM until they got back. He sent McNamara and Taylor over there to look around, come back, and recommend <laughs> that it was time to get out, and they did. And and Taylor did. He participated in that, even though he was he knew what he was going to he was going to do the opposite. He's is a as I say, he's a Trojan horse yes. inside the house. Okay.
0: Yes. Now you, there's a important element to Taylor. He was one of the only generals who cozied up to was it Bobby Kennedy. Mm-hmm. So that's he right. became very close family friends with Bobby Kennedy, and that's how why you say he was a Trojan horse because he wanted to be the one that was liked by them and trusted by them, and became. I think Bobby Kennedy named one of his children after Maxwell Taylor, right? you made he- Maxwell,
1: yeah. yeah, Maxwell Kennedy, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Kennedy brought Taylor in in into the into the fold to lead along with uh, Robert Kennedy as as brother. Um, who was the attorney general, Yeah, a review of the fiasco of the Bay of Pigs. And why did Kennedy bring Taylor in? Because he thought that Taylor was better than the other generals because he advocated less reliance on the old doctrine of massive nuclear retaliation in response to any Soviet attack. Mm-hmm. He thought ta- ta- Taylor favored what he called flexible response in war.
0: Flexible response.
1: Yeah. So you didn't have to use nuclear weapons every time you got into a firefight. Right. Well, but like other joint chiefs of staff, he was he was a hawk who favored intervention in Vietnam. He didn't say much about it because he was kissing Bobby's ass most of the right. time and getting into the, into the family, not just you know working as a as a uh, aid a, a military aid to to Kennedy. Um, it, it was much more than that. And so that's where the Trojan horse starts. Stuff mm-hmm. starts, and he does something he's not supposed to do at the end of sixty-one. Kennedy sends him to Vietnam to recommend no combat troops. Kennedy sent him there, wrote him a letter, and everything, and and ordered him to go over there and come back and say we don't need combat troops. Right, and he, guess what he did? He he comes back and says we do need combat troops under the uh, flood release task force cover. Mm-hmm. He got so he lost his his duties. Kennedy fired him from doing anything on Vietnam at the time, but still let him do his other jobs. So Kennedy got really, really mad, but he didn't—he didn't completely get rid of him because he was friends of the family. Right. Okay, him. so he got to stay in. Well, what happens is in '62 mm-hmm. is MacV replaces the advisory effort, and guess who gets Harkins gets uh, made the MacV chief, and he is a protege of Taylor. So Taylor gets gets his hands on Vietnam anyway got in 62. Got it. And then when Lemnitzer goes away, and he becomes the Joint Chief of uh, Staff. He was helping with the investigation of the Bay of Pigs. Right. Now, when they got th- through with that investigation, Kennedy asked him to take over the CIA. Right. He asked Taylor to take over the CIA. He said, no, my wife and I are, are, are tired of, you know, having to— travel all the time. I don't think I want to do that. If you have anything for me that's military, I'd be happy to do it. Mm -hmm. And so that's when he becomes the military guy. And that's why Kennedy sends him to say to Vietnam, come back and say, we don't need combat troops. So even though he gets fired from that particular duty, he ends up getting his fingers into the Vietnam thing because his protege is, is put in charge. And right. then when Lemnitzer leaves in the middle of 62, uh, again they try something else. They, they, they want to give him SAC They want to give Taylor to go over to uh, NATO and become head of all the Supreme Allied Commander Europe. And he says, no, I don't want to do that either. So he got what he wanted. The whole time he wanted, excuse me, is <laughs> Vietnam and he got it finally and his and his man is there so he's just waiting for all these things to happen and then guess what happens in the last six weeks he guts the withdrawal plan and supplants it with our plan 34A which is going to start in Vietnam but but look they they're talking about uh, and we haven't talked about all these other places that 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 <laughs> limits are on these guys want to fight it's in Laos it's in Cuba it's in Vietnam and they want to do all these things together at the same time. So How in the hell are you going to fight when, with all these places we don't have enough troops to actually fight more than one battle and even that is, is going to have to call up the reserves? And the answer is simple. We're not going to fight with ground forces. We're going to use nuclear weapons everywhere. It's Armageddon time. That's what they wanted. And we know because they briefed Kennedy on that back in July 1961 that that's what we needed to do was a massive surprise attack on the Soviet Union, but don't do it till the fall of 63, because at that time we'll have the most ICBMs and they'll have nothing. It's when the very moment that we have the mostest and they have the leastest that we want to do this, this can huge you walk, attack.
0: Can you walk us through this meeting? This was the PSYOP
1: Yes, we can go back and look at at that meeting. Walk
0: the uh, audience, the people that are listening, walk us through that yeah. meeting. Who uh, you, you said it was in 61 in July. Where was it? Who was there? And what was the objective of that meeting?
1: Okay. The objective was <clears throat> to bring Kennedy on board for basically what I would call an Armageddon strike. They didn't think of, of it that way because they didn't realize it was going to blow the earth up. I mean, they mm. did not understand what was going on with it. So I will take you back to that. This is the briefing given to him in July 1961. The briefing. So he wasn't there? He was there. He was there. Uh, it was the time for a PSYOP brief, okay, that started in the Eisenhower administration. Eisenhower said, oh, my God, this is terrible. And But that's a different story. He was able to get through without having um his generals push him around cuz he was a five star general but not kennedy
0: Eisenhower was Yeah that's
1: right. So they were started that in and in, in late in the second Eisenhower administration.
0: And so, what does SIOP stand for? it's, it's, yeah, it's SIOP not yeah, strategic not psychological
1: strategic integrated operational plan for nuclear warfare. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: okay. That's what it is. Started during Eisenhower
1: and here comes the first one for Kennedy in July 1961, July 20th to be precise. Um, and so, uh, they tell him. Uh, and in fact, they should be briefing the 1962 saw, but they're not. This is a special one because Kennedy's on is he's on his nader. All right, the Bay of Pigs has happened. Uh, Khrushchev is pushing him around at the Vienna for the uh, to to take Berlin back and things like that. And so they decide that he's, he's at his weakest point. And yeah. so they, they thought now was the time to strike. And so they they briefed him on this thing. On this 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 massive uh, psyop in the, to take place in 19 the fall of 1963 fall of 1963 how many times do I have to say that right the fall of 1963 um, and so um, Kennedy just gets up and walks out and says and we call ourselves the human race so um, that's a no go right it's not going to happen. But uh, guess what? In the fall of 1963, that idea is still alive.
0: And can you expand on the idea exactly? We wanted to send ICBMs to what countries?
1: We, the, the two main countries were the Soviet Union and China. Which is a large part of the <laughs> of the world, and yeah. and there were other countries like Albania simply because it had what? It, yeah, well, Albania was in 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 the uh, Soviet orbit, and they had uh, big radars that they that the Soviets wanted to use mm-hmm. for things, and so you know, and and, and he was asked, uh, Lemnitzer was asked about Albania, and he and he just said know, because they're in the plan, and then Kennedy asked him about. You know why? Why about China? I don't yeah, see why that China. China did attack us, and he, and, and was you know was impudent. And he said it's in the plan, sir. That's all he would say. He didn't answer the question. It's in the plan. That's how Lemnitzer was with him. He he talked down to to Kennedy, to Kennedy all the time. Yeah, he did. He hated Kennedy. Uh, you want to see the evidence of that? This is a picture <clears throat> that you tells a thousand words. This is when uh he he did not uh, keep him on god as of the looks joint like a evil this is a dagger stare at kennedy and what is he doing he's wincing mm. his eyes are almost shut and look who's smirking in the background taylor uh, that's taylor he knows he's up next he's on deck right now and he gets what is
0: going on in that photo
1: He's being given his medal. Okay, he's Kennedy's giving him a medal and sending him it to, over to Europe as uh, the Supreme General Commander of Europe, and he's mad because he lost his job as the uh, yeah. He wanted to stay George on Chief, he, yeah. he, because that's what he he wanted to be around for the for the fireworks. Mm.
0: Was Johnson in that PSYOP meeting?
1: Uh, yes, he was actually. Uh, it's it was difficult for me to find. Uh, there are things uh, by good people who've written books uh, about Burris, who was Johnson's uh, LBJ's supposedly his aide. He wasn't. He was the case officer. That's a whole other story. But anyway, so, yeah. Um,
0: Johnson's case officer.
1: Yeah. But uh, there, <clears throat> it, it was thought for a while that Johnson did not attend because he was drunk that morning. But he did because I have I have the the records that show he did attend. That psyop briefing that morning, he do we, did.
0: Do we know what his reaction to it was? No. How many people did they estimate would be killed by the, that nuclear attack? Did they have? Did they have exact casualty, or did they have rough casualty estimations? Yes, they and did. Did they? Did they estimate whether or not a potential ICBM could be sent back?
1: Well, they had, a, but but their their figures were not very good. Right. If you if you if you let Oppenheimer and Einstein tell you the figures, they would tell you, it's not just what happens when the, th- the stuff blows up, which they were saying was about 60% of the Soviet uh, population was gonna die. But um, very quickly, the rest of everybody dies because of the radiation. It's fallout the fall around out. the entire earth. Right. And and uh, plants won't grow, nothing will grow. Right. Unless it's underground uh, far enough that not to be, you know, the, the DNA uh, to be killed. That's what, LeMay wanted to drop three warheads on every target, just to be sure. Three warheads on one target. Can you imagine that? These are hydrogen bombs too. These are not- Oh, hydrogen bombs. Yes, yes.
0: This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Mudwater. Mudwater is a coffee alternative containing four adaptogenic mushrooms. With only a fraction of the caffeine as a cup of coffee, you get energy without the jitters or the crash of coffee. And each ingredient was added for a purpose cacao and chai for a hint of caffeine and hot chocolate-like flavor, lion's mane to support focus, cordyceps to help support physical performance, and both chaga and reishi to support your immune system. What I really love about Mudwater is that it tastes great, and they took their time to find all the perfect ingredients to develop a product that helps you feel better every single day. Mudwater donates monthly to psychedelic research and treatments as they believe the country is in a mental health epidemic and sees psychedelics as useful tools for individuals with depression, PTSD, anxiety, and other mental health experiences. So get 15% off and a free frother by using my link below, mudwater.com forward slash Danny and use the code Danny at checkout to get 15% off. That's M-U-D-W-T-R forward slash Danny and use the promo code Danny at checkout to get 15% off. It's linked below. Now back to the show. Hey, These are, for content like the hydrogen bombs are over a hundred times more powerful than both of the bombs dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki correct. combined.
1: And Siri, so here, here you go. You got a thousand targets in the Soviet Union and a thousand more, more than that in 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 China, and you're going to drop three three warheads on every one of those targets. You yeah,
0: know? yeah. No, it would completely destroy the atmosphere, and it would. Kill millions and millions of people. But the here, here's the like did they anticipate any retaliation? Like because you know they have uh they have no, a system in place not, where they would did, they send it? They did they-
1: not expect it because because they did there were no ICBMs. So the only retaliation that they had would be to send their air their big airplanes that could drop nuclear weapons on
0: us. Did they have submarines with nukes? No, not at no. the time. Okay.
1: They were working on it. Okay. We had we were the first, I think, with the Polaris missiles and uh and and so they we actually uh had those uh in, in a in a particular uh the cuban missile crisis and then beyond so what we're looking at here is is a coup d'etat this is by the way this is a nice slide here uh when, like robert de niro uh, yeah and this is before he he was moved out in in during the missile crisis that summer in 62 okay but um what he he goes uh, and they're still arguing over whether or not we should send combat troops or, or, or whatever, uh, and and Lemnitzer is recommending uh, action in Vietnam and Cuba at the same time, and, and knows full well that we don't have the forces to do to do that, the ground forces and all the other things like that. And so it was clear that there was only one thing in his mind, which is was going to be nuclear weapons. Now, so what he does. Um, and yeah, and it's it, very interesting in January 62 um they were still lying about uh how um how much we uh how little forces that the Viet Cong had and we didn't need to do anything it was easy to, to to defeat that but it wasn't true it was it was a lie and they had a huge amount of forces and they were lying that, to Kennedy yeah they that. were mm-hmm. but not to Johnson the the vice president knew what was going on And then all this came out in the spring of 1962. But anyway... In January, Limiter decides to make it one of his most audacious statements to Kennedy. He sends it through McNamara, who basically mm. doesn't touch it except with his thumb and his index finger, like "ew," you know. And he says, "I'm not. I don't endorse this, but you better read this." Wow. And so this is a, a paraphrasing of what it was uh, in a smaller place. Basically, oh,
0: this is, this is a not verbatim.
1: Correct, but it, but it says this. Okay. Trust me, it just it takes a couple of pages. We told you a year ago to send combat troops to Vietnam. But you didn't listen we've done everything you've asked us to do in the program and if it falls apart we still want to send combat troops and if you fail to do it then it would only make our job more difficult when we have to do it anyway mm. and that's the gist of what he said
0: now what is lemitzer's motivation for all of this he believes he believed. That's it. It's just it's just a found. It's a it's a ideology. Yes. Deepened within his soul that he believes a lot of that people we people have-
1: don't understand today because it doesn't make any sense. It just seems crazy today. The only way you can understand the Cold War is to have lived through it and understand that back then it was they thought that the Soviet Union was going to go to war with us. They thought the next thing step after World War Two was going to be to take all of Europe. Okay, that didn't happen. That was stupid. That's not what his plans were, but anyway, they believed and uh, there was a lot of uh talk about this. They called it the scare of 1948. They were going to take all of Europe. So they believed that it was it, it was a, you know, uh them or us.
0: The communists were going to take over the world. That's
1: right. And it, it's it's we couldn't live together. Uh it was once I was going to win, once I was going to lose.
0: Now did people like Lemitzer get any sort of kip, kickbacks from military industrial complex from any sort of military contractors or anything like that from did, sending all these tanks and bombs and planes
1: It didn't have to at the time because we had a lot of that stuff uh from World War II Later on you know as as uh technology progresses then that's that's different when we get to Vietnam for example mm. and we have to have better Better, you know, ships and and better ground
0: after uh, the Gulf of Tonkin.
1: Well, right. yeah, in in sixty, all the way through Vietnam, right? Uh, we right. were we were spending a lot of money mm. on new stuff,
0: yeah, and the, including you know Agent, Agent Orange, Orange and stuff like that. DARPA as well, was spending tons of money developing new technology. That's
1: right. So this is the July nineteen sixty one net evaluation subcommittee that does the psyops. That's a the, the Net Evaluation Subcommittee is a subcommittee of the National Security Council. This is underneath the White House. So that's why they briefed the president. It's a subcommittee of the National Security Council called the NES, Net Evaluation Subcommittee, that does the PSYOPs. Um, and so they they briefed this that uh, what they thought we should do is a massive surprise nuclear attack on the USSR and China during the fall of '63. Yep. And I'm saying that plan was still in play in 1963. And, and here's what I wanted to know to try and figure out who was present in the meeting that was in power in, in 1961 at that meeting and who was in power in 19, the fall of 1963. Got it. And it was one guy who hits the spikes both places. 61 in the Taylor. meeting. And in the fall of nineteen sixty-three, he's the one in power, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of wow. Staff, and he's doing all this stuff behind everybody's backs. Okay.
0: What uh, was Dulles doing in sixty-three?
1: He was he was fired in, in at the end of uh, at the end of sixty-one, uh, and uh, in nineteen sixty-three, uh, there was a lot of people going to his um, to his house uh, in and out of the door in sixty-three most of the year. So people think that you know, he was he was being briefed on things by people who were on the wrong side of things who really wanted to do this this thing this op, this Armageddon.
0: Did he have any sort of job in in intelligence at all? Was he downgraded? No. He he was completely unemployed.
1: Well, I don't know. He was unemployed. He had a lot of money. Right, of but, course. But you know, no, he was he was no longer working for the government.
0: Okay. Why do you what? For
1: what reason would they want to be briefing him on stuff? Well, because they wanted his views on what to do. He was still part of that clan, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Right, he and
1: he was. Well. You have to understand he had a, he has other mm-hmm. things that 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 are terrible that we don't even talk about very much. And when you go back and take a look at what what, what he was doing in Switzerland, uh, and and uh, his his uh, his brother uh, in in the State Department. They they were funding uh, Nazi forces. They were funding Hitler.
0: Dulles and his brother. Yes. How were the they Wall, doing that? The
1: Wall, All the Wall Street firms were sending them money, and and uh, we provided about sixty, a little close close to sixty percent of all the pig iron for all their tanks and in artillery pieces. And this is this is not this is that this this information is not. It's just that it's boring to people who don't care about going back and finding all these things. But yeah, why was write, he, why write, was
0: Dulles and his brother
1: doing that? Well, because they they wanted to make a lot of money. That's what they were making how they were making tons of money. Wow. Okay. You know, there's no other what else why is there to do it? You know, because they, you know, and they they know that they they're, they're going to lose anyway. I guess that's the way they figure it and then you know the enemy's going to be USSR. Hmm. So but there's no question about it. We we know uh, that this this happened and there's there's books been written on it and it's hmm. all documented. It's it's you know we this is not something that is new if you've studied your your history but most people don't don't pay attention to these these right. kinds of things. They just don't. Right. So the Dulleses have a very dark background. Right. Okay. And never forget that. They
0: were, they were, he, Dulles
1: was around during
0: MK Ultra, right? hmm And Dulles, so why <clears throat> did they choose to bring him back in for the Warren Commission?
1: Oh, because he was the caretaker to make sure that nothing got in there that was, that they didn't want in there. And who was the one who picked him to be in charge of that? I, I guess, uh, you know, um, he, he picked himself. I don't know. Uh,
0: but he was unemployed. Look, um, he wasn't part of the government then, right?
1: No, he was just on the Warren commission. Okay. That's all. He was part of the Warren commission
0: we don't and, and
1: they got, I'll tell you who, who participated in it. Uh, which was, which is terrible, which is, is Bobby jr. Because not junior Bobby, because he didn't understand. Bobby was an attorney general at the time, right and so when his brother got killed, he was destroyed and so he wanted uh to do something about the the Warren Commission. He didn't really like it, but uh he 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 didn't mind he he didn't really understand what what uh the the Dulles brothers had done all those years. That mm-hmm. stuff wasn't let go for for god dec- decades. This was not – what I just told you about what they did yeah. is not was not information that was available back right. then. But we need to know that because we know who they really are. People don't – their stripes don't change over time. They were that way back then, and so they didn't turn into, you know, Cinderella's and, and Prince's uh, a few years later.
0: Right. <clears throat> So, what was Bobby's involvement in the Warren Commission? Yeah, I think you finished that thought.
1: Well, he just helped to uh, to get uh, a couple of people on on the commission. That's you know to get it over with. Okay. He was doing his own separate investigation, though. No, don't forget that. With who? He was investigating the the uh, his his brothers. Well, I don't know. He he went all the way to Cuba for for one thing. One time, he showed up there, and I wrote about that in my first book. Uh, where angels tread lightly, and so he mm-hmm. talked to a lot of people down there and asked questions. But we don't have a a briefing book on like exactly who he talked to and every everything they said to him. Right. Obviously, he he talked to Castro.
0: Yeah, there's a there's that um, famous story of the journalist who was talking to Castro mm-hmm. right when Kennedy got shot, and That's later Ca- Castro got the yeah. literally somebody brought Castro the phone while they were in the middle of their meeting. And he put down the phone, and the first thing he said was, they're going to blame
1: me. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what they said in Moscow, too. <clears throat> yeah. And Kennedy sent a, a special delegation over there to tell them, we don't think you did it. Mm-hmm. Right away, they did, to stop any you know, <laughs> right. worries over right. there, because they thought it was coming. They thought the war was coming. And so did Castro, because he, they knew that they were part of this plot. This this top secret stuff, they 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 knew about it. That it was supposed to be Oswald work for the KGB and, and Castro. Mm. That's why they thought it was it was <laughs> it was it gonna be curtains. Wow.
0: Do you think that <laughs> uh there's any possibility that Johnson was aware of what was going on with Lemitzer and Taylor and their plan for the coup to kill Kennedy?
1: Well, I don't know about uh, the precise details, but he knew it was coming, and they had to do that much, because uh, otherwise he wouldn't obey all the things that Burris was trying to teach him. Burris had a huge. Amount Who's of- Burris? Howard Burris um, is a, a guy who worked in uh, in the Pentagon uh, under Birkinall, General Birkinall, the highest um, Air Force guy. In in there, except for you know the chief of staff, Mm -hmm. and uh, so um, Birkenau gave him the orders to be basically to to mind uh, Johnson, and that's not to be do what Johnson says; it's the other way around. So he tells Johnson uh, very early what he's going to do. And how many times they're going to meet, what days, and all these <laughs> details that you would expect it would be the other way around. And uh, Johnson said famously, um, when he got the big list of things that, uh, of things that he, he was going to have to, all the meetings he was going to have to, he said, well, I, I just thought we'd do it in the elevator one morning when I was coming down. But if you say so, all right. <laughs> You know so he was told he was gonna have to to meet constantly uh and and so this um Burris put together a huge um it was a number of people that that worked for him that were working in the um uh the, the white house uh staff that prepares everything for the for the president mm-hmm and so they and other people in the, in the Pentagon were brought in as well to do research every day on what was going on in the world in, in numerous countries. And so on a daily basis, uh, he would send these reports to LBJ around the world, and they were accurate. All of them were very accurate um and but the same uh, person who uh who's in i forget his name right now who is in charge of putting everything together for the president um he he also was was involved and he, he was the person who prepared exactly what kennedy was going to be told and that was completely different so what kennedy was actually told were things that were said to him in order to get him to do things that people wanted him to do. So it wasn't a, a good situation at all where it was his own people who were briefing him at the National Security Council on a daily basis. Mm. But at the same time, uh, that same apparatus is being used for Burris to put to to put together very accurate details of things that are happening around the world. So when the time comes, he'll be able to understand what to do. And uh, this goes on for most of the administration. And and Burris actually leaves town in those last six weeks. He kind of knows what's coming. He's out of there. But uh, Johnson, they don't tell him we're going to kill the president. But he knows Somehow, uh, there, I don't know whether it's a wink-wink it's a, it's a and, a, a, and, and a nod or something like that. We don't have a, a document where it says, this is what we're going to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Johnson knows, and here's how we know he knows. So he's on Air Force One on the way home after the uh, assassination. And uh, he's looking out the window, and he's just staring out the window while they're airborne. And uh, one of his aides, his top aides, noticed and said, you know, what's the matter, uh, Mr. President? And without even turning around and looking, he just said, are the missiles flying yet? Now, we know that. It's in uh, a couple, two or three books, including mine. I got it from other sources, but he knew That uh, he thought that this was it. He thought this would be, you know, a big war. And uh, it didn't happen. It's not what happened that day. This is the
0: same day. Yeah,
1: on the way back. Wow.
0: And And this is the plane ride uh, where Jackie Kennedy was on the plane with
1: him. Yeah, Air Force One. So he knew something was going to happen, and he thought it was going to be war. So it what it tells you is he, he wasn't totally clear on exactly what was happening but he he had he knew he was going to be president one day and this is what he worried about and which is why he tried to stop it when in 64 he, because he felt uh like like uh Jamie Galbraith said he felt intimidated the way they killed Kennedy you know he right. was afraid right but he he said no, just get me elected, and then you can have your war. Right. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, but but Johnson knew something was up. <clears throat> okay, and and otherwise why why all the preparation? Because uh, the Kennedys thought uh, that in the second term they were, were going to get rid of Johnson, and he knew that. That got back to him. They were going to they were going to drop LBJ.
0: How'd that get back to him? Why and why did they want to drop him?
1: <laughs> because he was a drunk. He, he wasn't. Yeah. They used him initially because it, Texas votes, you know. Right, right, and but okay. um, he 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 had to try to send him on on you know trips to go here and there and represent the president and stuff. And he was constantly stepping on everything and and uh, drunk out of his mind and refusing to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the time he sent this delegation to Vietnam, he said, "I'm not going. I'm not going. I refuse." And uh, and Burris would say, "Yeah, now get your clothes on. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna go." And uh, I, I can tell you lots lots of stories about LBJ and Burris in the in '61 and '62, which we don't need to do that okay. uh, right now because you were asking questions, and I think I I told you what you need to know, which is that. So- Bur- Bur- Burris was the, the handler, and because he was, Johnson knew exactly uh, that, that he, was gonna be, he was going to be president. Mm-hmm. And how does he know that? And the only way that's going to happen is if Kennedy's not president. And now, what
0: essentially was the reason the nukes were never dropped? Is it because Russia was able to build up their nuclear arsenal? By the time Kennedy was shot, there's two
1: things. There's first that Johnson doesn't want to do it; he keeps the the nukes in in place, right? Doesn't 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 want to do that. Uh, but as you move downstream, it gets to be more complex. By the time the uh, Marines wade ashore at the Nang, that's when it. That's our real true entrance to Vietnam is, is, After the Tonkin is in Gulf. is in May. Oh yeah. Tonkin golf is, is in 64, mm-hmm. but he's, he gets reelected and then he's got to be, you know, sworn in and all that. So that goes into February. And, and then you got to start sending people over there and getting boats together and all that, right. that. And so, yeah, it's in May, May 65, before we actually start sending these troops in there. Okay. And by that time, the Soviet union has a lot of ICBMs. The, 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 the the whole briefing that was took place back in 61. in 61 is over. Right. Wow. Now, but the funny thing is when a, when the war went bad, which it did, and it wasn't because people at home didn't like it. It was because we couldn't win and West didn't like that. And he lied about a lot of stuff and they got caught and there's a excellent um information on that uh that you could you could look into it's a, that uh, CBS reports did mm-hmm. on on uh, on this but uh, yeah he um so i guess I, i've answered your question i guess yeah Wait, can you can we
0: um talk about the the tonkin gulf for a second sure now allegedly there were um vietnamese ships sending Torpedoes towards torpedo it, boats. Torpedo boats towards a, a U.S. vessel. Now, w- d- was that actually real? Wasn't that confirmed that that never happened and there was actually no torpedoes that came that were fired at the U.S. boat?
1: Well, when you say say that, it's like we have a, a, a movie there and we're right there and watching. No, we, uh, the preponderance of the evidence is no. They they were no they torpedo. were fake. Okay, um, McNamara is, uh, actually <clears throat> got incontrovertible evidence of one of the two attacks would never happen. And and we don't think that the second one did either, but it doesn't matter. It was being used in order to start, to start the war. And, and Johnson would go along with it. Now Johnson did us another favor a little bit later though. Okay. So we're talking about, uh, he's, he's towards the end of his, you can't say first, his first term, because the first part doesn't count because it was, he was the vice president who is the president but his, his full term as he gets close to the end of the war is going sideways mm. Westmoreland secretly asks him and this is in a book by I uh, forget who it is now is uh, Beschloss, American presidents new book uh, but he, he has he has the um, the documents um, Westmoreland actually asked if we could use tactical nuclear weapons to save the situation in Vietnam. And LBJ said no. So they still wanted to, you know, to do stuff. I don't think that LBJ, excuse me, I don't think that Westmoreland was thinking about Armageddon, in other words, attacking the USSR, Mm -hmm. but... He was, he was, Westmoreland was the, the chief of what was happening in Vietnam. And, and it was on his watch that they were losing the war. And that's why he lied over and over again, uh, lies just as bad as they did to Kennedy in the spring of '62, which mm-hmm. happened all over again. Although instead of talking about 100,000, um, instead of what they said, it was like 35,000. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about millions. How many millions we have mm. and they cut that in half so it was it was all same thing all over again and it was it was no use and they told Johnson all the wise men had a meeting with him just not too long before uh, he he quit and and died soon soon after he made it technically to the end of his first term but anyway they right before then they told him the news they said you know we we can't win this war we can't win it
0: now was there <clears throat> when it comes to the war in vietnam and what's going on in laos when kennedy is still alive there were a lot of cia paramilitary operations going on in vietnam and laos right mm-hmm. so is this a competition between the between the pentagon and the cia
1: well, it depends on which because what year you want to You want to you, you want to talk about. Okay, so Laos was uh, was an operation that was begun instantly for Kennedy because it was already in moving under Eisenhower, mm-hmm. and it was a big big operation. But it was all CIA. No, we're talking three aircraft carriers
0: and and thousands of marines. I thought it was C- all CIA paramilitary operations first. No,
1: there's some other paramilitary operations, but much, much later. But no, 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 no. The big Louse, the, the great big Laos thing in 61, had, it was not a paramilitary operation. Okay. The, the, this was ground forces and uh, Navy and, and, and even and, and air forces too. Dropping the the 82nd Airborne was in on it. Uh, you know, it was a, it was a great big deal, and the way they got it, Kennedy to to go for it was this. Um, so when he comes in as president, it's already the Laos thing is going sideways, and so uh, Eisenhower recommends that he 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 go into Laos and and take care of the the enemy. And so Kennedy starts looking into this, and he doesn't like it. He wants to do neut- neutralization mm-hmm. of, of Laos. And, um, but it, it, while he's doing neutralization, they're grabbing territory. And so that gets in the press and, and so on. And so it's, it's making his life difficult because his neutralization is actually giving, giving more and more ground to the Pathet Lao, coming further and further south. That's what's going on there. So we do have some um, uh, bright stars—not bright star. It's uh, I forget star something is is, is in the. We have um, forces in there that are are reconnoitering and telling us what's in Laos, but they're not fighting. They're basically telling us what's happening. They're hiding and giving us the the intelligence information that the army and the uh, the army knows about it because they report their their army units. But they're special forces that are in there, small units. But uh, anyway, what happens is that um, they decide to pull a fast one on Kennedy and Laos, just like they did in in Cuba, making up a a false story that we're going to win. It's okay. Don't worry about it. And and Kennedy warns them, we're not going in no matter what, no problem. Well, it's the same thing was going on in Laos, and the way they they handled it was by saying the uh we have a very strong military force of Laotians. They're called uh well they, they were under they called it Fumi's forces. He was a big leader in Laos, and um and so they said that Fumi's forces would defeat these Laotians. they called them the Patat Lao. Mm-hmm. Uh, that were coming down and taking over territory uh, almost adjacent to, to, well, certainly by Cambodia and getting closer to, the, to Vietnam by the month. And so that's what, uh, that's what they said, that it would just take a day, maybe two days, and Fumi's forces would completely eradicate the problem and it'd be over. Mm-hmm. So no need for a big war or anything like that. We can just win the war with and this is you 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 should just you could just if you were in the army, the army knew that that wasn't gonna happen, but in the um meetings that were held at the CIA headquarters, which is all the uh the air force army everybody meets for this these um um what they, what they do every once in a while, they have national security uh, um, investigations and reports. Um, constantly, they're, they're either... Uh, they happen either regularly or sometimes, uh, you know, irregularly. And it was clear to the, to the Army at the human level, the human intelligence that this was not gonna happen. So when they were uh, put together the report for Kennedy, the briefing, um, the the army representatives tried to bring their information to bear on the, it's called a national intelligence estimate, right? Or a special national intelligence estimate. Mm -hmm. They tried to put their, get their information in the report. And the guy who was sitting there, Abbott was his name, Oh, who is the CIA guy in charge of get, having the briefing? Go uh, refused to let them speak. He said, "No, we're not going to do that because you know the Air Force guys uh, don't have the clearances, so we're not. No, you can't. You can't tell us that stuff." So what it ends up saying is the crazy thing that they're going to win. And the Army human people said, "Ain't going to happen. It just isn't." And they they didn't. So that never went to Kennedy. He only heard the part about that we're going to win. And they knew it was going to lose. They wanted to put him in that situation, just like they wanted to put him in the situation in 1962, right? When uh, they could have told, uh, I mean, limits from those guys knew that those nukes were coming and they didn't tell the president because they didn't want him to know until it was too late, till they, they, everything was there and they were ready to fire. Mm. They wanted to back him up against the wall. And that's what they were doing here in in Laos. They they it was a trick, and it worked. Kennedy said yes, and then when it failed, it was all over the news everywhere. And so uh, there's the, that. That's the first. I have a picture in there somewhere of Kennedy and he's trying to is is. That was uh, the
0: first stain on his uh, reputation. It as
1: was, yeah. and and he was at a pointer, and they were talking about you know. These forces are here and there, and it was very embarrassing for him. Mm. So at that point, he gives a conditional okay for the Laos invasion. And so three aircraft carriers, three aircraft carriers are sent to the South China Sea. And tons of Marines besides that are on those carriers, and you got all kinds of aircraft, you have a huge amount of Marines ready to on Okinawa it was a bit and they were going to just go right across the DMZ into Laos. Mm-hmm. That way. And it already Well, a lot of time had passed and both of these these ideas again we got Laos and Cuba are taking place at the same time, which is what the joint chiefs wanted. Mm-hmm. And so Kennedy mm-hmm. was angry uh, about what had happened with the Laos thing and so he he said, "Okay, Time out. We're just a few days away from the exile invasion in Cuba. Let's see what happens there first. And, of course, it fails. And at that point, they have the meetings in the White House about Laos. And Kennedy starts asking questions. And nobody can answer them. And they know it's over. And they know it's over. And Kennedy says, no, he doesn't really... Want to? He doesn't have to. And the chairman of the uh, not chairman the sink pack commander Admiral Felt calls up uh, Lemnitzer and and says, "Well, maybe we can use the forces in Vietnam at some point, but Laos is no go. Not going to happen." That was the first psyop, uh, you know, armageddon that was going to take place there, and they were they intended to use nuclear weapons to take care of all these uh north vietnamese troops which were coming down there It wasn't just Laotian forces it was tons of north vietnamese were coming down a trail mm-hmm.
0: right the ho chi minh trail at the time yes mm-hmm. what was going on here on your slideshow in berlin
1: well uh, we'll start we'll go back just to 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 where it started which was in the summer of vienna um and it was a um a meeting between Khrushchev and 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 Kennedy, and Khrushchev had been uh, nice to Kennedy originally until he figured out that he was a weakling, and then all of a sudden he decided he wanted a Berlin, and so um, that's what was on the table in Vienna, and and Khrushchev was terrible. He just threatened him again and again, and, and Kennedy would 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 shoot back, but it basically just said it's going to be a cold winter, you know, and so that it, it, things started escalating from there. Eventually, we had a a wall was set up. Kennedy liked that. He thought that was a victory because he said a wall is better than a war. Mm -hmm. Um, The Joint Chiefs decided that they um, had some leverage this time because of all the places on the earth that Kennedy would have gone in to defend. And we didn't have the ground forces to do it. So he was interested in, in, in having a nuclear option that was not one of these massive things that would just shoot a few of them and to, to let them know that 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 we're serious about this. so he he asked for briefings on it and he and he, and they actually came up with a plan if if necessary of how to defend uh, this this you know, Kennedy was interested. Yes, in yes, because it, it might have happened. And then what are you going to do? And so he wanted, he wanted a, he didn't want one of these crazy PSYOPs. He wanted something to show determination if necessary. Mm. And the Joint Chiefs knew that. So they wanted to, they, they, okay, we got, maybe we have a, a chance here to get this thing done. And so then they did a top secret PSYOP the whole time and waited and waited for the, the last minute until this thing you see on the slides here, which is this confrontation they, they put their their um, recommendation on the table about a day or two before this, uh, when for the first time ever, American and Russian tanks faced each other right in front of each other with the turrets pointing to each other and the, and the engines are running. And um, so what Kennedy did uh, just, just before this, the, the, the day of it, uh, is his own thing. He put something in their punch bowl, which was a declassification of all the nuclear, uh, options that we had, everything. And so, uh, that was done, uh, by the number three guy in the Pentagon. His name was Gil Patrick and he was sent, uh, to West Virginia, uh, to make a speech. Mm Uh, and, um, to a, it was just basically uh, some um, some businessmen that were there. It was it wasn't really relevant to that, but he made the speech there, and also the Pentagon put it out so that everybody would see it. And it's it's, it's, it's a nuclear laydown of everything we have. Wow. And just reading this, is is this is just a small excerpt from the very middle of the speech that, that uh, Gilpatrick made. He said, the United States has hundreds of ICBMs, including 600 heavy bombers and any more medium bombers capable <laughs> of reaching the USSR due to the highly developed in-flight refueling techniques at worldwide bases. He said, the United States has six Polaris submarines carrying a total of 96 missiles, dozens and those were MIRVED, they were dozens uh, dozens of intercontinental ballistic missiles carrier strike forces land-based theater forces that can deliver additional hundreds of megatons the total number of our tactical and strategic nuclear delivery vehicles is in the tens of thousands with more than one warhead on each vehicle
0: more than tens of thousands of missiles with more than one warhead on each of those missiles.
1: And, you know, and so the, the, Khrushchev had been bluffing the whole time. He didn't have any ICBMs. And he certainly didn't have the, the rest of these kind of forces. And besides this, that was, was put out publicly in front of the world, which really embarrassed Khrushchev, right, and, and his military because they knew he was, he was bluffing. But sec- actually it wasn't secret, but it wasn't publicized. Um, we told the Russian military... Oh, by the way, we got four Polaris submarines up there in the North Sea, each one of which has—carrying—well, uh, uh, four of them, 96 would have been something like 72 uh, wow. missiles. So we we told them we had four Polaris submarines right up there you know, in the North Sea getting ready for them. Wow. And so they knew it was over, and, and the Joint Chiefs did too. And so they lost another one because Kennedy decided— mm-hmm. Uh I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to put it put it on the table. What we have
0: did the Soviet Union have intelligence to confirm that this was true?
1: Sure they did. Yeah. They be, yeah, they they had their own submarines and 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 there was no question uh that that they had all this stuff that that the main thing about it was that um the question was who knew how much and and it, this made it clear to Khrushchev and his all of his military that we knew exactly what they had and they had nothing
0: that's amazing that we were so far ahead of them
1: that's we, what people were that's what they were talking about back in 61 right. and we're going to be even farther ahead in in the fall of 63 it will be the maximum best right. moment to do it right but they were willing to do it right here they were willing to do it in 61 they were willing to do it here at the end of 61 <laughs> and they were willing to do it in the cuban missile crisis mm. None of those things worked. And so when we get to, you know, to the end of the the line in in this in the fall of 63, they try it again and this there's only one way so to So
0: when they declassified this at the Pentagon, how, what year was that? That's in in 61. This is That's in 61. Yeah, right. Okay. The day
1: before the the uh, standoff at checkpoint Charlie.
0: At what point did the Soviet Union start building up their ICBMs?
1: What he was boasting about was a non-existent uh, ICBM force that he started to build called the SS6.
0: This episode of the podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. In 1961, at his inaugural address, President Kennedy said, Every accomplishment starts with a decision to try. I am blessed to have a supportive family and be surrounded by encouraging individuals that push me to try my hardest. This quote really hits home for me, especially during times like this when everyone's trying to make New Year's resolutions and focusing on new goals. Around New Year's, we all get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on things that we're already doing great. Therapy helps you find your strengths so you can ditch those extreme resolutions and focus on minor changes that can really stick. For me, it's helpful to focus on wins or positive experiences that I'm already grateful for. And this isn't just for people who have experienced trauma or PTSD, it's for everyone. This is a daily ritual I like to use to keep my mind healthy and free of negative influences. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a questionnaire to get connected to a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Danny Jones to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P slash Danny
1: Jones. It's linked below. Now back to the show. And we had uh, overhead reconnaissance and, and before before that U-2s that it told us basically they couldn't hit their targets in the Far East. There were terrible uh, missiles. And so Khrushchev said, okay, scratch that. Let's go to a second generation It's that's going to work better. So they were working on that the whole time, mm-hmm. but it takes a long time to do that. And you've got to have silos. You've got to have all kinds of things uh, in the impact areas and the launch areas. You've got to have the telemetry for these new missiles and and. So on. it's not something you can just snap your fingers and do it in a few weeks. So they were still working on this stuff, but mm-hmm. we we knew that after 1963, they were going to start having mm-hmm. I, adding ICPMs to their whatever else they had. Mm-hmm. That's what we knew, and that's why back in '61, they told Kennedy, "This is the maximum moment of mm-hmm. where we can get the win. They'll never be able to strike back at us. They won't know what hit them." Right. So that's, that's it. And then, you know, when we get to the end of the game uh, the only way to do it is Kennedy's got to be removed because he's not going to do it. He's just not going to do it. He's three times uh, victorious. And the reason why it works, you know, in the Cuban missile crisis, is because it worked here in Berlin. Here's, and here's why. So um, what uh, Kennedy did, he said, He's the one who who broke the ice at the last minute after this is, is happening. He says to Khrushchev, look, I'll go easy on Berlin. You withdraw your tanks first and then I'll withdraw mine. And so Khrushchev has to tell all his own people, we're going to withdraw our tanks. And I promise the, the Americans will withdraw theirs too, 20 minutes later. So that's a lose, that's a lose right? But he does it. Kennedy and sure, does it. Yeah, he does. He moves He moves the tanks.
0: Is that why Why he trusted Kennedy during the Bay, Bay it, of Pigs? Or, to, to remo- or I'm sorry, to remove to the, the, the
1: Cuban Missile Crisis. Cuban Missile Crisis, yeah. Because guess what happened? We took, Kennedy did, 20 minutes later, move all of ours out of there. And that was, they were talking to each other. Not through their military services, to each other. Mm. Bobby was talking to a, a KGB guy in Washington and, and uh, and Khrushchev had his guy in his in, in his, uh, in his uh, wow spot down there. So that worked. Two leaders talking avoiding to each other, talking avoiding to each other, avoiding all
0: the generals and all the middlemen. Yeah,
1: and we're talking about uh, an Armageddon because we're talking about huge ground forces as well out there. This is the Soviet uh, Union uh, and all of its allies, all their forces, the Warsaw Pact against a much smaller uh, Western. Forces that that were there, and there was nothing we could do about it if they if they were going to go to war there, and so Kennedy pulled pulled a big one, I call it a big turd in the punch bowl, and that stopped everything, uh-huh. and on we went, uh, and 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 so, but here's the thing about about what happens. It doesn't really stop it, because what does Khrushchev realize? Oh my God. We, I, they're gonna. I'll be outed because he was he was living on on very, um, you know, ice because he didn't really win very big in the the, the four year war to succeed Stalin, mm-hmm. and so uh, he was always uh, vulnerable to being purged, and he did get purged in '64, very close to this, um, so. He decided that uh, he would would do this, and it worked. But then he said, I've got to have something quick, or I'm going to be toast. So he can't make ICBMs in a few weeks, but he can do something else. He can send medium-range ballistic missiles to Cuba Mm -hmm. and change the equation. That's why, and he's on to that instantly, okay, in January, the next month. Within six weeks, he's got a plan. Now, he doesn't tell hardly anybody in the Soviet Union for one reason because there's a lot of, we got our own moles in their facilities. So he only tells, like, the the head of uh, Soviet strategic rocket forces. He tells that guy. And he goes over instantly in February and starts casing out all those honeycombed caves all over Cuba right away. And then there's some ships that start showing up and um, the national security agency is able to enter, uh, enter to to pick up signals about what's their, their, their list of, of things that are on the ships. And some of the manifests are just blank and some of them are just false, blatantly false. So they know that their ships are starting to come and they're lying about what's on them. That was in February. And so the NSA knew, and here's how i, I they knew it right away what was going on. And there's another reason I know about this. And I'll say it because I had a friend in NSA that I knew. I don't mention his name, but he liked to... He, he, he he liked what I my my book JFK in Vietnam and we would talk about it a lot. We met him in the cafeteria one day and he said, "You know what? Um, we knew that the that they had um, all those uh, MRBMs and in, uh, in in Cuba they were coming. We knew that in in January, nineteen sixty two January. Furthermore." The overhead reconnaissance part, they also imaged a facility in Cuba and it looked very much very similar to a warhead storage unit that had been seen in Russia. And it turned out later on, of course, this was the major warhead store facility on the Cuban Island. Anyway, we had all these indicators in January Mm. and early February of 1962. And the person who knew this uh, right away in in about March uh, in the CIA was um, Marshall Carter, who became the deputy director of central intelligence. And he was... Lemnitzer's protege. So Lemnitzer knew all this as soon as Carter knew it. So no later than than March, than early March, we knew that they had those missiles coming. Mm -hmm. And McCone even said one time, and this is not... Uh, this is avoided if, if possible. McCone said, you know what? some of these things look like they're uh, surface-to-air missiles and that's always for, for uh, uh, you know for missiles, for real missiles. And so nobody paid attention to him. but here's the teaching point now. Um, they should have told Kennedy right away what they had. If they had done that, he could easily have stopped all those missiles and all those parts and all those things coming. How? By just blockading before they got there. When he did the blockade, all the missiles were there. Got it. And there were more coming, but he could have stopped the whole thing. They wouldn't have had enough to to do what they did later on. It wasn't until July that he found out. And then there were some bad, you know, um, atmospheric stuff. You know, there were clouds and things like that that got in the way, but... But there was no doubt in, in the minds of a lot of people who knew at NSA and in the Joint Chiefs that uh, they were going to do this. And they let it happen on purpose because that meant it would be—they would get closer and closer to maybe Kennedy would have to do it. And if just one one shot, one missile goes, it's, it's cookies. It's all out nuclear war. Yeah.
0: Now— Kennedy was able to have another direct phone call with Khrushchev during the Cuban missile crisis and they had another deal similar to one that happened in Berlin.
1: Exactly, exactly. And so it got, it got it got so close again. I mean, escalate everything was going sideways and it, and they had to stop it and they knew that. But it was the same thing. Um what Khrushchev thought he could use would be if we would remove our MRBMs out of Italy and— Turkey. And Turkey. Everybody talks about Turkey, but there was twice as many in Italy as there were in Turkey. Wow. Yeah, twice as many regiments, missile regiments. So um, Kennedy said, yes, I will do it. As long as
0: you do it first.
1: He says, I can't do it now. If I do it now, I will be gone and there's going to be war. He he would have been— you know, pushed aside somehow, it would have been a coup right then and there. He and knew that. Yeah. He said, I can't do it now, but I promise you I will do it. And so Khrushchev said, fine. And, and did,
0: th- he, did he, so he told Khrushchev that he thought there would be a coup if he did it.
1: Well, he, I don't know whether he said that or not, but that's what he, that's what he was saying.
0: That was his sentiment.
1: Yes. And, and so, and he did, he had to wait quite a, he waited several months, but he did. He pulled them all out. And the only reason he did that is because, um, and, and that Khrushchev pulled his out first, is because they had a deal once before. Kennedy honored it. In and Berlin. this time, we're looking at another Armageddon that's going to kill us all. So we had to find a way out of it. And so it was the same formula they used in Berlin. Right. And that was the really last one. That's the three, three, three times that that Kennedy saved us from an Armageddon. So when it comes to the fourth one, it's the fall of '63, mm-hmm. and you know what happens there? We've got all these things that came into play all at once because they they were waiting for it. They knew that that uh, I mean Lansdale was 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 another guy who was uh, knew that he couldn't um, he would never get to be where he wanted to be, which was to work with the as long as Kennedy was in the in the presidency, mm. so a lot of people wanted him dead and were participating in in mongoose Lansdale. was that's the mongoose plus um, uh, the
0: what is mongoose?
1: Okay, so what what happens is a mongoose is is a terrible decision by Kennedy. They're still mad because of Castro, so they decide to go back again and try and do something about it. Bad idea, bad idea. Now. When you compare how much stuff the Soviets had put into Cuba by that time, compared to what they had during you know the Bay of Pigs, it's four, five, six, ten times as much power, military power and KGB um, folks there too. Mm. So there was no way that it was going to be we're going to remove we're going we're remove Castro, but we're not going to use any combat troops. We're not going to war. That was a nutty idea. And he put, and again, you, you, just like, you know, uh, <laughs> bugs at a Lysol convention, you have William Harvey and you have Lansdale uh, was another guy. Those three guys were put in charge of Mongoose. And these guys, all three hated each other. <laughs> so this is a, you know, uh, a crazy idea. And what happens is uh, Lansdale is in charge of describing all the activities and all the activities that Lansdale does. Actually, when you look very close at them, are pre-Northwood stuff. He's setting up Lemitzer for Northwoods from the get go during Mongoose. The Kennedy brothers figure it out in about March and they kneecap Lansdale. So he's he's out of the picture. And then, you know, they go to work. But it, but by that time, uh, it, it causes the, the real snake in the grass to come out and show himself, and it was Lemitzer, and he had no problem walking in and telling Kennedy what he wanted, okay? And he told him, you know, I, I know you did, that you didn't want to do this uh, back in, in, in January of 61 because we would be beaten up on a little guy, but how about if we have a pretext? What if we have people dying in... in uh, say Miami and Washington DC and uh, and we tell the american people that that these were done by castro how about that how would that have worked how are people going to die in miami they're going to shoot them who's going to shoot them are our, our people dressed up as is 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 cubans and this is part of Northwoods? Yes. This is the Northwoods operation.
0: And Northwoods was also, there was a plane, an unmanned plane. Without
1: two, they were going to shoot down an unmanned plane. They were going to actually kill some people in their dinghies trying to escape from Cuba. It was about five or six things. Oh, it wasn't wow. just one. There were all these things that they were going to do. And and so what he was trying to tell Kennedy is, look, we can do this. We can do this and nobody will know the difference. and the, and the And the public will be in support of it. And you know what the Kennedy told him to take a hike.
0: Who is the mastermind behind Northwoods?
1: Well, Sure, actually, Lemonsur, But Lemonsur. but you have, but <clears throat> but there, he he put together secretly during the mongoose party. Put together secretly all the units in the Pentagon that had to be there. S one organization, S two intel, S three operations, S four uh, logistics. He 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 built up all the things that were necessary for Northwoods to work. Did.
0: Dulles have anything to do with any of this no behind the scenes no. nothing okay
1: got it so uh it, that's what happened there and and it's Kennedy just made a terrible mistake because he gave him an, gave him another chance you know he gave him another chance and it was it, it was no need to do that. Anyway, uh, it was clear that the that the Russians were going to do something. They had to do something. So that's why they were they were while we're playing mongoose stuff, they're doing the missiles thing, mm, right? Right. So this this is all going sideways and it doesn't have to. It's because they're hiding everything from Kennedy all the time trying to push him around, make him do what they want him to do and he ev- ev- eventually figures out and unfortunately it was very late in the game. In the Cuban Missile Crisis, it should have been much earlier, but uh, he still says no. He'd rather die than to, to, to cause this this type of trauma to, to to our planet. And so was Martin Luther King like that. And so was his brother. Eventually, Bobby stopped being the the protector of his of his brother because his brother was dead, and it was his job now. And suddenly Bobby felt the weight of the world on his shoulders like it had been on his brother. Mm.
0: Um, I wanted to talk before we get into uh, – how much time do we have? Before we get into the uh, the Bobby and MLK stuff, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the, the Seven Days in May mm-hmm. movie. Now, there was a, a movie or a, there was a novel that was written that JFK wrote. And that was eventually turned into a film. Can you explain the story behind that, behind that novel, and then um, JFK's reaction to it?
1: Well, it was it was his belief, uh, and it wasn't his idea. It was uh, Frankenheimer uh, and and somebody else. But Kennedy, uh, he also had the same idea, and so he was um, he was uh, helpful uh, when when it came when they asked for, for his help. Okay, but it wasn't. He wasn't his original. He's not the one who originated it. He's the one who went along with it when he found out about what they were saying because he always believed that. That's what I think explains the the sixty three things he was doing. He 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 thought that they were going to try and kill him.
0: So the premise of this novel, Seven Days in May, is what it was called. What mm-hmm. it was called? was that? The military would overthrow the president. A coup d'état. Yeah. Which is exactly what ended up happening. Mm-hmm. And what did he say? He, he made some sort of a public statement or he sent some sort of a response based on his reaction to reading the novel that he said that it would be possible but very unlikely that that could happen.
1: Yeah, I don't remember the, the exact uh, quotation. But, yes, there was a – but it was a mediocre uh, thing. And he was very – it was a maybe lot you could, more... Maybe you could
0: find that, Steve. I think it's public. It's online somewhere. Kennedy's reaction to seven days in May
1: his public reaction his
0: public reaction
1: yeah because his private reaction was this is terrible he you know he was very afraid they would do it mm. and that he wasn't going to live uh, i can't i
0: can't bring it up all right we can't yeah I'm not connected. we lost control um that's okay no worries um yeah, so, and then eventually, like, the, what was the story? They wanted to shoot it at the, where did they want to film? They wanted to film the movie at the White House or something. And no,
1: they wanted to use the Pentagon. They wanted to
0: use the Pentagon, right. And the, and the Defense Department was not going to authorize that, so Kennedy ended up letting him film it at yeah, the White House. Yeah,
1: he went down to, to Florida for a while and let them have the house, White House to do it, yeah. Wow. But it's it's a very good <clears> film. And and you know how people like films, mm-hmm. and so it will teach you quite a bit. That it was done very well. There were one or two things I could you know complain about here or there, but uh, you know ninety percent it they had it right on the nose. It was a very good movie.
0: Mm. Okay, let's talk about Martin Luther King. Okay, sound good? Yeah. You wrote a whole book
1: uh, yes, about Martin has,
0: Luther King and John John F. Kennedy.
1: It hasn't been published.
0: Has not been published yet
1: because it it's better because of all the new stuff I. Keep finding out.
0: So, what is the premise of this book?
1: The book is about the K uh, is about the CIA penetration of Martin Luther King's inner circle. Okay, but it's growing into much more than that. But that was how it how it started. Uh, there's a lot of FBI in that, but it goes back well back into the past. Um, but what I wanted to do with you today isn't that part of it. That's just something that's. That's coming, and uh, that I have uh, basically all the evidence that I need needed for what I have, and and, I'm, and there's more things that are coming that are going to be added to that. But there's a piece of his story that fits in with what we're talking about here, and that fits in with the larger story of of MLK's life. Uh, and I'm still I'm I'm getting reels now. With my uh, interns at James Madison University, that have never been used before, they're very hard to find. They're on old uh, type machines, and we've got some new ones built at, at uh, James Madison that we can use to examine the reels, and it it it's just amazing. It's uh, everything that Hoover was doing to stop the um, um, the um, the bus boycott. Uh, for one thing, and uh, to stop King. Uh, period. King was a real threat to to Hoover, and uh, these we have uh, twenty one reels, and each reel is is a huge. It takes many days to to actually print out all the stuff that we have that Hoover was doing trying to stop. You're talking about film reels. They're they're microfish. It, film isn't isn't what it is. This is stuff that goes back into the uh, '60s and, and '50s and so on. They're they're they're, they're microfilm, microfiche, they call it, huh. and they're they're not like uh, the film stuff you see when you take it through this. Is, but it kind of feels like it because it's this. It's it looks like it's film, but mm-hmm. it's it's uh it's a it's an earlier technology. Okay. But it's very important, and not on, just on this subject, but on all, all kinds of other subjects. And people who are doing PhDs that are going back in time trying to look at whether it's LBGT things or, or any any topic that they're trying to study from a historical perspective, you have to have these reels. You have to dig them up because they exist. Mm. But they're very hard to find because they've been housed in a company that does that. And then exacts money out of... Places in order to let them use their stuff, and then the one big company swallows up another company. And so, it took me a long while to find uh, these these MLK Hoover uh, films. And and I'm using and and so that's another thing. It's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna change a lot of things because until you have it in front of you, the exact things that Hoover is asking for and saying, it's it's you're 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 kind of It's not the same thing. So this is a big project that is coming through, adding to the book that I've written uh, in in many different ways. So it's going to take me the rest of this year and possibly some of next year to finish the MLK book. But it's only the first volume. The second volume, I really, I've never announced it publicly what the title is. Should I tell you? Yeah. Break that news with the title of Let's the break second that ML- news. Well, it's so obvious. MLK in Vietnam.
0: Ooh. Okay.
1: That's the second that's that's it. Two two volumes on M L K coming. Okay. But the first one is is gonna be first. And and if somebody People obviously are trying not to pay attention to me too much, and I, so I'm not I'm not afraid of somebody you know doing it first. And if they do a good job, good. Then means I don't have to do it. Go ahead and do it for me, so I don't have to do all that work.
0: So what 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 did why did Hoover want to stop MLK so bad?
1: Okay, from the time he was in high school. The three and he was in debating team. The three things he didn't like, uh let's see if I know all three of them. One of them is he doesn't want civil rights, doesn't like black people. Hoover. Who Hoover does not like black people. And um uh what else didn't he like? Um Oh yes, no civil no um voting rights for, for women. Mm. I forget the third one. Anyway, this this guy was was uh his racism, he wasn't born racist, but he had a grandmother who used to come over and visit all the time, and she was hell on wheels on black people, and she poisoned that young boy's mind. That's how it started, and it stayed with him his whole life. He he persecuted homosexuals, and he was a homosexual. He was actually the woman in the
0: partnership. Oh, wow. He was the bottom, huh?
1: Yeah, because he liked powerful men and that's who really Clyde Tolson his his partner was yeah
0: that's a crazy story in itself yeah do you well, do you go through all that in your book
1: well I'm going to go through a lot of it uh, there um, there's um, there are other things written um, about this so but you know i am yeah, just I'll right. do my I'll do my <clears throat> own thing right
0: so what was going on during that part of the so, can you explain what the what was going on when JFK was campaigning, and what was going on with him and MLK, and who I forget? Can you remind me who was running against JFK? It was uh, Nixon. Nixon, yeah, yeah, Nixon. So, can you can you give context to that and kind of explain what was happening in that era right there, like the the relationship between MLK and JFK and that whole presidential race?
1: I like the use the term. Uh, footsteps erased for a lot of things like geology and things like that 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 things have been erased because people don't want they don't want to change their views on things but we it, it works perfectly for Martin Luther King because people have forgotten a lot of things and this is one episode in his life uh, not the one that everybody like the bus boycott was a big deal and there were other there are other things um, that were a big deal but this this is a very interesting one once you know about it, you'll never forget it. Um, so um, this was uh, the campaign. The Kennedy campaign was in its final stages, um, and what what happened was uh, there was talk about meeting uh, with King, and uh, so it was difficult though because um, the the campaign itself. The, the, there were three of them in, in a Sar, Sergeant Shriver who was part of the Kennedy family and a guy by the name of Harris Wofford and one other person um, where they worked uh, in in Washington during the campaign was around the corner that, so that nobody would see them they, you have a storefront mm. you know, of the campaign and uh, but you don't see any blacks in there because they're very worried about the southern white vote and that had been, what had always worked uh, for Democrats. That's where they get their, that's their breadbasket, right? So they, the the Kennedy um, civil rights team was very small but very crafty people. Yeah, they were they they were they were smart, and <clears throat> uh, but they were around the, they were they were around <laughs> the other blocks, so nobody could see who they were and what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but so at the last moment. Uh, they decide uh, to do something about it because that's what they're doing for. They're, they're supposed to, to help the black vote. So they, they get to work. Now, here's what happens. There are seven steps. Uh, let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, basically seven or six, six steps that take place in a short period of time uh, between 17 October and 28 October. Okay. This is very close uh, to, to the election. And um, each one of these events uh, produces a second event and the second event won't happen unless the one before it does. And so the first thing is um, you have a lot of sit-ins going on all over the South by, by students, high school students in, in several states. And they're going into soda fountain places in, in, in like that and, and, and um, to, to, you know, together as black people and they're not supposed to be there. And so they're getting smacked, they're getting stuff poured all over their heads. And and so the students have been doing this in mo- a lot of Southern states. And they've been after King, asking him to come and support them, to come to one of these events. And King's sort of happy not to, not to have to go there because he's got all these other things. And so here's what happens. Um, so they they agree on, they're gonna have a meeting, Kennedy and King. and. And then King says at the last minute, "Look, I have to tell you something." And oh, what's that? Well, uh, I have to give Nixon a, you know, his a chance too, to be fair. And Kennedy says, "Oh no, we're not doing that. We're out of here." <laughs> Kennedy did not want to do it uh, on that basis. So now all of a sudden,
0: because so so just quick context. At that point in time, the the African-American vote in the U.S. was Republican.
1: I'm going to get to that, yeah. Okay. But this is where, where things start, uh, which is uh, that you have um, a bunch of kids that are trying to do something about that, okay? Kids, not King. He's not doing – he's not in there yet. Students. Students are doing it all by themselves. That's right. And so King – King comes to understand that like, these people are are far more, um, you know, brave than I am, and it and it worries him. He prays about it, and 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 so, at this point, when when uh, JFK cancels their proposed meeting, mm-hmm. and the and the kids find out about it, they come to him again and say, "Come on, you can, you know, what do you got to to, to lose now?" And so he he does.
0: Go to who, the kids. Go to who? <laughs> to King. To King.
1: Yeah. And tell him, okay, come on, it's time. And so he does. He goes to his first sit-in. And, you know, and they the courses were pouring milkshakes on people's heads and doing all that stuff and pushing them and doing things like that. And and so they arrest everybody, but they release everybody except King. So King is now his first, and he's never been arrested before. This is the first arrest of Martin Luther King at the Soda Mountains. <laughs> and they let them all go except for him. Now he had and this is in an adjacent county called DeKalb County which is a terrible county, very racist county where what state? This is a, this is happening in Georgia. Um so he agrees to do it, he's arrested, everybody else is let go, but in the adjacent county uh in Georgia to to the county they were in, I guess it was a it was in the Atlanta mm-hmm. area. He um, has he has a, he has a uh, parking a, a car citation of some sort, which he told his um, financial guy to pay. And as far as he knew, it was paid. Well, apparently it wasn't. It was just a, a minor traffic uh, violence, minor traffic violence. That's all it was. They put him on the chain gang at the Reedsville Federal Penitentiary. And a lot of people, they, these are blacks that are being put in the chain gangs and and a lot of them are not coming out alive. All right. And so this is a big, Oh my God, what are we going to do? So now we have, that's the third event, right? So it all has to start with with JFK canceling his, you know, the meeting. And Mm -hmm. so these are the the dominoes that are falling. And so what happens now is that the, Civil rights team decides they're gonna do something. So Wofford has the idea, why don't we in this very moment uh, call, have, have um, JFK call Coretta King, with a sympathy call. And so the problem is that everybody is in his bedroom at an airport where he's getting to go someplace. And so they have to wait until everybody walks out of the bedroom. Because they know that if if they dare say anything about blacks, it's going to be canceled. Not going to let it happen. Okay. So they wait, and so in the room is is a Sergeant Shriver, and he he uh, and Kennedy lays down on the bed, and so he says, um, "Oh," and he says it very very quietly, "What Wofford said." He he suggests that you call Coretta King, and and. Kennedy doesn't even think about it. He just gets up and gets the phone and makes the call. Doesn't, doesn't coordinate with any of his staff at all. <laughs> okay. And she's flummoxed. She doesn't know what to say. And, and she says, yeah, if, wow, anything you can do, it'd be great. You know, and it's like that. And that's, and that's all there was to it. And then RFK finds out what's happening and he does something he shouldn't do. He intervenes in, in the case and calls the judge, who made the decision. He's the attorney general. You're not really supposed to do that kind of thing. But he does. He calls up and reads Wait, he's Wait,
0: this is before he was elected though, right?
1: That's right. Yes. Yeah. He's not the attorney general. He's not
0: the president yet.
1: No, he's not. Right. He's not the president and that's not the attorney general. Right. <clears throat> but he is Bobby's, he, Bobby, excuse me, he is uh, JFK's brother. Right. And he is an attorney. Okay. He's not the g- attorney general, but right. he is an attorney. Okay. And an attorney is not supposed to interfere in, 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 in cases unless he has a... But anyway, this is a personal thing and he shouldn't be doing it, but he does. And he calls Judge Mache and tells him everything that, that we know. And Judge Mache realizes this is going to get out now in the newspapers and everything. So he agrees to let him out of prison. So now he's, he's, uh, he's out of prison and... Uh, Oh, does the whippings happen? (laughs) So Kennedy, uh, Bobby Kennedy tells his brother, okay, he says, you've done it now. You've lost the election.
0: Um, They thought because they they got made it out into the public that him and Bobby got MLK out of prison. They were going to lose the white, the Southern white vote.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, He said, uh, what did he say? Here it is. No, that's something else. Uh, anyway, look, let's just do this. Um, so they, they put together a, a, um, a plan to um, send out uh, pamphlets to all African-Americans across America. And they actually ended up printing two million of them uh, in churches. They're going to distribute them in churches the weekend before the, the actual election itself. And they do that. Um, and Sergeant Shriver is the one who actually decides it um, on a daring gamble at the very end. What they do is they they establish a committee uh, called a, a, a quote dummy committee unquote of preachers that have nothing to do with this, but. Put say that they're doing it so that nobody in the Kennedy campaign uh, has touched it. Mm-hmm. So this is a, it's a this is a stealth operation that that the Shivers
0: covert preachers. Yeah, <laughs>
1: that's what they're doing, and so and it works. Uh, and so they they print all these things that they call them the blue bomb because it was printed on blue paper. Uh, they 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 put in the uh, you know the. Shriver makes the final decision to do it on his own. He'll take the responsibility for it and finance the pamphlet himself. But, you know, he was he was so lambasted by, by Bobby, it almost ruined the relationship between Shriver and the rest of the Kennedy family. And he did the same thing to uh, Wofford, tongue lashings and all that stuff. But he himself had made that call to, um, to the judge, to Judge Mitchell. So... This this small group of these three guys had no intention of stopping, even though they were told not to do another damn thing, and and they did. And so here comes the blue bomb. Um, <clears throat> and um, it. What happens here? Uh, I think it's whoa. Uh, what did I say? Two hundred and fifty thousand black votes. Yeah, I'm going up here. Here it is. So, what happens is uh that seven states go to go to j f k instead of Nixon that would have gone to nixon wow. and you can look at the at the math it's just do incredible. we know what states those are yeah i'm, I'm listen them right here oh, okay uh most of them anyway um so you, you take Illinois. There might have been some piddling around in there. The
0: Illinois know. was the mob stuff, right? With the, uh, yeah, Kennedy's but it dad. wasn't.
1: It wasn't everybody in the mob. I mean, the mob can't reach you know two hundred fifty thousand people. So uh, they they upped it, I'm sure. And maybe if maybe that state itself might not have gone. But anyway, overall, uh, the Republicans had had always got sixty percent of the of the uh, black vote.
0: Sixty
1: percent. Sixty percent. Okay all the way back for for years and years and years to Lincoln that's right and then all of a sudden in this election 1960 now 75% of the democrats and so they you only get tw- the the republicans are now only getting 25% of the vote instead right. of 60 right wow
0: what a swing that it's is
1: it's huge and it's still the closest election in history up to that point <clears throat> Uh so it's it's the civil rights section that is responsible for this and I was we've been talking about that and so um <clears throat> anyway we have you know several states we 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 mention here um Carolina's it's in the Carolinas it's Michigan mm-hmm. uh there's is seven states in all and that is what
0: the blue s- bomb was seven states
1: that's right now um i want to just um say this, about about this particular story. Okay. You see, people don't remember this. And it's amazing that they don't. Because uh, it, it was in the newspapers, but it wasn't, it was just like one day. So, you know how a one day thing can happen and mm. then it's like it didn't happen because just pe- people go on to football next, games next or whatever story. else they do. Yeah. You know? Um, so, but this is what I have to say. This is just me talking here. I I, I am pondering what I think is a, a real forgotten dichotomy. And it's all because of the black vote. There were bad things that did not happen because of the role of the black vote in the 1960 election. For example, uh, descended the wars in both hemispheres of our planet that would have led to a terrible Armageddon. We know how many times that happened as well. The other thing uh, that I ponder at the same time is the good things that did happen because of the role the uh, race played in the election. And that's JFK's new frontier, Medicaid, Medicare, social security benefits, minimum wage, low income housing, Peace Corps and peace instead of war. He took care of the little guys, the poor guys. and, And by the time three years later, everybody was making money, rich people and poor people. Isn't that weird? It's in three years because he had the economics uh, group of, of, of a lifetime. It was John Kenneth Galbraith. Mm-hmm. So um, without MLK, um, there's no way that JFK was going to be president. Okay? Uh, and so in retrospect, we have three people, MLK and JFK and RFK, mm-hmm. not to mention the civil rights unit Mm -hmm. uh, that were responsible for the remarkable change, but those three guys that I just mentioned were all assassinated within eight years. Within eight years. So fast forward now. Suppose that, that you and I live uh, through our lives, and it, and it keeps on going because we don't destroy the planet. That's hard to believe the way we're going right now. But let's just say that we don't destroy this planet and it doesn't destroy us for what we're doing on it. Uh, what will the people say 150 years from now? Okay, so we're going to 2170 or something. What will they think about the election of 1960? Will it, will they, Will it be there at all? Yes, it will be, but none of the details will be there. Right. Only one thing. They'll remember we were alive today because MLK and JFK saved the world from the destruction of an Armageddon. Hmm. That's it. That's simple. That's all. But it's a lot. And we don't even know we're going to get that far. I mean, right. something else could happen. And it doesn't. But It's
0: a miracle that all of those chain of events happened the way they did. Yeah. Because it was so close. Yeah. So many times it was like on the brink
1: so you kind of have to think that maybe the universe up there had its it's shit together
0: (laughs) yeah like I said to you like I said to you last night it feels like it's that movie The Adjustment Bureau (laughs) where it's just these little decisions you have to make one way or the other
1: so I realize this is not the the MLK story itself big story but it is a piece Mm -hmm. that really is a big story all by itself just by itself and these guys were both had moral compasses. Yeah. And Bobby did too. After this was over, when, he, when it was his turn, he did too. And they knew that too. The black people changed immediately. And they said, Bobby's white, but he's right. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
0: can we? Can you talk a little bit about what happened to Bobby afterwards and why Why? Well, he Bobby? had a
1: lot of arguments with, with a number of, of black uh, intellectuals. And, um, and that didn't last forever. The thing that turned it around was um, there was a uh, an assassination of one of the uh, candidate, I'm sorry I can't remember the name, but a, a well-known black leader was assassinated. I mean, it might have even been um, uh, which his name that had to go to, to Mecca before he changed his mind about white people being bad. Um, but Anyway, the, uh, so after this assassination, Bobby Kennedy went by himself down into the ghettos. Mm. One white guy standing up on the back of something in front of hundreds and hundreds of black people, and he made a speech to them that they never forgot.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: that spoke to to what they wanted, what, what he wanted to do for African Americans, and that turned everything around. And uh, by the time he was assassinated, um, very much like the Kennedy, like the JFK assassination, which was in full view of everything, right at the point you know where it would do the most, not just damage but scare enough people. Right. Well, everybody knew uh, in that was tracking things, especially the people that didn't like. Uh, Bobby Kennedy knew that he was going to win California. By that time he he'd collected enough um, credits or whatever you call them that uh, he was going to, he was going to get the nomination and he was probably going to win. And so that night was the special night where he was over the top and everybody was celebrating and they shot him in the kitchen that very moment. They didn't wait till later. Or like like uh, J- James Galbraith uh, said you know he could have just been a syringe used this was uh, in, in in your face same way they, they did his brother right uh, that's what happened and uh, and so um, they killed him and they killed Martin Luther King within six weeks of each other.
0: And was it the same forces behind the JFK assassination? Those behind Bobby's assassination. Well,
1: we know more about the military stuff. I went down to Memphis, Tennessee, for the 60th anniversary uh, sometime last year,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and met a a guy who was curator of the King records that were there. The the biggest King records are are close by in another in another town, but um, uh, yes, he showed us uh, evidence of two uh, army sniper groups that were on right there. Right where you know in, in in on the other side of the pool that was empty at that time, there were a bunch of bushes up there, and uh, and that's where one of the teams were. And and the the picture you see mostly when you look at at it is, is uh, Jackson pointing up, and it looks like he's pointing across to the place that this uh, what's his name was with the rifle is standing on a bathtub trying to shoot. Well, they're not pointing there because it's the wrong angle. And you see what they're pointing is over the other to the left. And so, yeah, there were sniper uh, units in, in Memphis at that time, too. Wow. So there's more work to do there. I need to yeah. go t- talk to that guy again. And, and is uh, you know, I'm a busy guy besides, <laughs> you know, doing a little bit of yoga, but also doing a lot of uh, – re- research and stuff, because that's what I'm doing. Yeah. And so, um, it's, I'm a moving target. You never know what it's going to be next. Um, and, uh,
0: and you but, got, a, you got a book about yoga too, right?
1: Well, it, it, it's partially about yoga. Half, half. What of, kind
0: of yoga? Do you do, you do uh, Kundalini? No, no,
1: no. I, I, I don't, the Kundalini thing is, is all these, <sighs> these breaths, these crazy breaths and, and, uh, Iyengar doesn't, doesn't like to, doesn't like to criticize anybody else, but uh, that's not his cup of tea. Iyengar is the guy. Uh, the the uh, We will talk about this another time, but the the it all came west because they ran out of what they could do with it in India. Believe it or not, it was for a show for the upper classes. The yogis were just a show, like a circus or something. Hmm. And, uh, but uh, Macharya was um, a, a very um, forceful uh, force in yoga. That was his name and he had three disciples. One was his son, Vinny. Um, and then there was also um, uh, a, a guy called Patabi Joyce, who was his disciple. And then his best disciple left him. Don't even know his name. But his sister, Krishna Krishnamacharya's sister, was married to a sickly guy. His name was Iyengar, and everybody thought he wasn't gonna live past 20, 25 years because he had uh, TB and some other things. Anyway, he ended up not dying at all and ended up being the, number, the best uh, yogi probably in, in, in history, wow. in modern history. Uh, he learned English very well and astrophysics and all kinds of things. And was considered he he was treated as a statesman all over the world, no matter where he went, except for India, because he was a householder. He was he was a Brahmin, mm-hmm. and he he didn't take the Brahmin caste. He wasn't a, he didn't like caste, and so he married, and had children, uh, and had one child, and so they they forsake him for that, and they. But many years later, when they when in India they they discovered how popular he is around the entire world, all of a sudden they decided he was a good guy and he was their guy.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, I, I studied a lot of yoga uh, because accidentally I came across it. and uh, the first class I took, um, I had a buzz all the way to the parking lot, so <laughs> I knew that that moment there. That I was going to do yoga for the rest of my life, so I began to study how many forms there were uh, from the get go mm. and uh and ended up uh being a teacher uh now for thirty years uh a yoga instructor but uh I've pared down I had huge amounts of of uh teaching that I did all through the Shenandoah Valley, mm. but now I only have time for two or three um uh, people that that I know that have been with me for a long while, and right. I just don't have the time anymore. But I do it myself, and I and I, I treat a couple of old people, uh, until they are dying, and, and yoga is used, really for that. Yes, yes. I had a very very close woman that I did uh, practice yoga with for thirty two years, and she died recently, uh, about eight or nine months ago, and uh, I kept her alive. Or two or three years, with, with yoga. yoga.
0: Yeah, how old was she? She was eighty-one. She was that you're able to move around and be flexible like that at that age. That's pretty incredible.
1: Yeah, I the, in the yeah. last days I had to lie her down, mm. and uh, and we were able to do up upper body poses and a lot of other things. She had very little memory left, mm. and but she remembered me. Because we, we went back so far. And so she would come in the house, say something. I would say something. And she couldn't remember it t- three minutes later. But uh, I, I told her jokes. I, I kept her laughing and I kept her uh, flexible and, you know, and eating. And, wow. uh, and uh, eventually when she died, her, her daughter, uh, who has a big job, she basically running Estee Lauder, the largest women's cosmetics thing in the world. We had to go up to New York <clears throat> twice a week. Anyway, I'm doing somebody now who's um, 87. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's incredible. There's a lot of weird connections with like esotericism and yoga, especially kundalini yoga, people like getting into weird psychic
1: states. and. Yeah, well, you can do that without doing kundalini. It's, it's, it's called prachahara. We all do that at the end of a yoga session, is to lie down uh, as like in a, a dead person would and you stop thinking. It's not thinking. That's what pratyahara is. And when you not think for a long time, mm-hmm. all kinds of things come to you that you, you should have been listening for, but you're talking so much that you, you're just not letting the universe say, say anything to you at all.
0: Like, like downloads or something?
1: Well, look, Everything in your body, and your phone, and your, I this cup, is even inert things like this. It's not alive. It doesn't have DNA in it. But then anyway, it's, it's it's all just vibration. Everything yeah. at the at the at the you know yeah. smallest level, right? And uh, it's vibration. Everything in this room is vibrating. You and I are changing our genomes right now because we're breathing to each other. Our genomes are changing because we're in the room together. So you would be amazed how much, uh, and it, we know this is science, this is not silliness, uh, that we know is, is, is happening inside of us and outside of us. And the infinity is outside of you, but it's also infinite inside. You can keep going smaller and smaller and smaller that way.
0: Right, right.
1: And so um, we are all connected. And so when people talk about uh, you know uh, being reborn, it's not about like that. It's a law of astrophysics actually that um, all matter, any matter, and that is information, any information, cannot be destroyed. Not even into a black hole. It's still there or come out. If there's a white hole in the other one, who knows information can't be destroyed. It's there. It's, it's around you. So what happens if you, you run into this information and suddenly for some reason you like it or it likes you, you're speaking in tongues Mm -hmm. and saying things you couldn't, you couldn't say before. It doesn't matter. Um, everything is connected. Everything is connected. And once you understand that, it's you don't have. There's a lot of silly theories you can let go of and start to get real and understand that there's a lot of stuff around you and in you that you're not even paying attention to. Mm. You have a brain that's much bigger than you're using, right? For example, right. So let's. Not, I don't want to go too far with this, but it's
0: fascinating, though. Yes. I like. I like. I like learning about that kind of stuff. It's. it's well, very interesting I spend to me. my
1: life doing it. Yeah, I do, but. A lot of it has to wait. I, what I'm doing is is base, basically for myself and my family, a couple of close friends. When I talk to them about some of these things, but right now I have a mission, and I'm hoping. What's your mission? My mission is to scoot, scoot into the Michael. I, I well, I I have. Uh, I interpret my instructions are to finish these books that I'm writing on the 20th century mm-hmm. before it all disappears. And uh, when that's over, if I live long enough, I'm probably going to be 83 or 84 by the time that happens. Okay. When it's done, I have written two novels. I've written a screenplay and a lot of other things They go way back into geology and, and, and things like that. And, and so. You wrote the screenplay for Oliver's first
0: JFK movie.
1: I wrote some of that. That okay. came out of my book, JFK in Vietnam. Right. But I'm not talking about that. I'm okay. talking about a screenplay for. It's called War of the Ice Ages, and that's just the first volume. War of the Ice Ages. Yes, it's it's everything that did exist in the Ice Ages. Okay, uh, and there were which which kind of humans, what kind of animals, everything, and and what they did, and there were wars between Cro Magnons and 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 uh, other uh, species of humans. Uh, they could enter. They could actually have intercourse and, and create a hybrid humans, and we did that. Uh, so there's a so you lot. You think
0: there was wars between different species on Earth during of the there during were, the Pleistocene? Because,
1: yeah. Well, um, we know of uh, there were when when the ice caps got big, the ocean levels went down, and the people who lived on the Canary Islands went twice over to what is Spain. And they are the ones that are responsible for all the, the cave paintings that you've seen. And they're they're
0: what time what, what time period are we talking about right now?
1: Well, probably around five hundred thousand years. Five hundred thousand. Yeah, from for beginning though, you know. So you have very primitive tools way back, but when we get to be about one hundred and fifty thousand years, it starts to the the. There's an amazing advance in both the uh, the the humans themselves are six feet, three inches tall with with uh, male brains, about t- 2,000, 2,100. You and I, our biggest men now uh, is about 16, 1650. Uh, women are about two two 1,200. So the Cro-Magnons, the true Cro-Magnons- Are brain sizes? Are huge brains and thin bones, which is- it, uh, which is thin bones uh, casings of the brains and other other bones which is indicative of advanced humans and uh and so yeah we know a lot about these things but the problem is a lot of the american um paleontologists uh, uh like to go to uh the bahamas for their for mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. vacations and guess what the the british and the french people they went down to the canaries and i went down to the canaries once and i saw El Museo Canario. And it blew my mind. It, it, was a, it was a museum.
0: Steve, can you take over control with some photos here? So, sorry, sorry to interrupt, keep going.
1: It, it, well, and so there were like six floors and in the staircase were the glass cases with the skeletons. Uh-huh. So there were about 60 full skeletons of these Cro-Magnons. And then the rooms around a floor were all the items that they made, all the needles out of bone and things like that, and and, and clothing and things like that, and you could go—I forget which—it started from the, the the oldest to the youngest, and the youngest ones there were there were two um, invasions of these people uh, during uh, glacial maxima, uh, forty thousand about forty thousand BC, and then twelve thousand BC. Uh, is when they got over there, and that's why we still. But you know what? It's very strange because it's southeast Spain, and the the what's what's survived of, of the bodies and stuff. They know that they were uh, talking to the mic so I can hear. They you. were blonde-haired, blue-eyed people that still exist in that very small part of Spain. You would think they would be from Norway or something, right? But no, these these people came from, They were called the Guanche is the name, the Guanche?
0: The oldest human genome recovered from the southern tip of Spain adds an important piece of the puzzle to the genetic history of Europe. A new study reports the genome date from 23,000-year-old individual, from a 23,000-year-old individual who lived in what was probably the warmest place in Europe at the peak of the last ice age.
1: Well, it was actually uh, not so much Europe, but it looked like Europe because there was a land bridge.
0: Right. Right.
1: To the islands down there in the Canary Islands. Right now, when you go down there, they're just islands.
0: The gaunches were the indigenous inhabitants of the Canary Islands and the Atlantic Ocean, some 100 kilometers, 60 miles west of the North African coast. Huh.
1: Anyway, I've been collecting—I went there and brought back with me tons of studies, but they were not done by American scientists. They were done by European scientists because the American scientists— have had little um uh, done little about it compared to the Europeans. Mm. Closer to home, I guess. I don't know.
0: Yeah. What so this was much before so are you you're obviously familiar with the like the younger Dryas hypothesis, mm-hmm. impact hypothesis that it was comic cosmic impacts that melted sure. the ice sheets and, and caused the Great Flood. That, kind, that's, that's written about in multiple biblical texts and around the world and different cultures. I
1: visited them in Southeast Asia. All these tribes down there all have the same uh, mores and not mores. Uh, they have the same stories that they yeah. tell back in in their from their generations. Mm-hmm. And they're, 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 they're <clears throat> different languages and different people, and they all still tell the same thing.
0: Yeah. It's around qu- it's, the world, it's wild. It mm-hmm. really is, and so I, I've had multiple people on here that talk a lot about that kind of stuff. Well, and, I've and
1: I've I've got a book I've written, but it's 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 uh, one of the first things I was doing in my twenties, and so it's not even well, it's typed. I did type yeah. it a little bit, but it's not it's not on uh, something like this. Have, just,
0: have you seen um, the the northwestern scablands of the United States? No, uh, if you could pull it up. Pull up. uh, Did you
1: say northeastern
0: or western? Western in the northwest United States. And uh,
1: all I know about that is that that they talk about people came to us at the very end, just before the ice age. uh, Yeah, look at the
0: second one, the the middle one. So this is what uh, a guy, a friend of mine, Randall Carlson, has been on the podcast many times, and he has goes. He takes tours of people out here to the Scablands, and His hypothesis is that this is all evidence for mega floods. Um, He thinks that there was a cosmic impact that hit the uh, Canadian ice sheet on the southern border of Canada and melted it instantaneously, which was uh, hundreds of millions of tons of water flowing south over the United States. Which created these channeled scablands, which we see now that are all dry. Um, and these were basically giant rivers that were f- flowing at hundreds of miles per hour. Like, look, go down; you can see that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he can he has evidence to show that this is all just massive water erosion, mm-hmm. and it was all through North America. Look at
1: that. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I think that's pretty you, incredible you, stuff. You, and and well, you have things that happen after that too, which is why everything's so flat on the top.
0: Yeah. The, the well, further his, north
1: you go, the, the ice sheets that came over those just, it was like getting a haircut.
0: Right. Yeah. And he, I mean, his hypothesis is that this all happened between 11,900 and 12,500 years ago, mm-hmm. something like that, during a, like a 1,000 year period, which is class- called the Younger Dries. But mainstream, uh, geologists don't take it seriously. They well, call it. They call it pseudo with, we science. We have a problem
1: with mainstream geologists because they're trying to say that human beings did not come here until, you know, 10,000 BC around that around that time, and yet we have sight after sight, after exactly. sap. Tepi. North America's and the South America, mm. and and it's humans and have been there forty thousand, fifty thousand, and sixty thousand years ago. Right, and it's and so you know these these people remind me of of, of, of researchers in a uh, in a certain area that don't want to change their minds about things because they don't want to be wrong about something. Right, when we have new new information. Right, and so there's a whole bunch of information uh, about. You know that the the first people who came. We talk about the uh, Vikings. The Chinese started uh, the Shanghai Jing. The uh, there was a huge the axis changed and it, and it caused a lot of storms and things. But an emperor uh, during the recovery period sent out four expeditions to to re to redraw the Earth such as it was north, south, east, and west. Mm-hmm. Well. When you go east, there's nothing but water. So it's the Eastern, the Shanghai Jing, the Eastern uh, classics of mountains and and rivers, Shanghai Jing. That's the English interpretation of them. Mm-hmm. And so you, uh, they came and started on the, what is the, the the basically the, the mountain range all from Canada all the way down to the, the South Pole. It's mm-hmm. all, it's a huge uplift, huge uplift. Along that whole and and there are three-legged pots. Guess where they come from? China, and and and, and little uh, uh, things that they made out of clay stuff of Fu Manchu's,
0: uh-huh.
1: and and they in the in the the um, their uh, traditions tell them that some guy who was very smart. Brought them civilization and told them how to do a lot of things. This Fu Manchu guy. Huh. Anyway, uh, there's, there's a lot of this material in China. Some of it is still buried, and they're and are and are leaving it for who knows why they're leaving some of them buried. But I've been to the to the digs up there because I was in that area of the, of the of the world for quite some time, and I went up there and saw a lot of this stuff. So. Yeah, it's... um... I
0: had this guy, a friend of mine, uh, Ben Van Kirkwick, who's also been here. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. But he did some analysis of some of the stone vases that are found in Egypt. Mm -hmm. And he took them to... He found some people who purchased uh, stone vases. I don't know where he purchased them from, but he has them in, in his possession. And they were actually able to measure some of them that were in One of the Petrie, the Petrie Museum, Flinders Petrie, and they did measurements of every single angle of these dynastic Egyptian vases that were supposedly made with copper chisels in uh, the Egyptian times. And they found out through aerospace engineers at Rolls Royce who measured these things with laser machines. They found out that these things were perfectly symmetrical Mm -hmm. within like one, one millionth of an inch, which is like less than the thickness of a human hair. So like today to make something out of a granite vase, to make a vase that perfect out of granite would take a computer program. Mm -hmm. You would need to model it on a computer to create it. So how the fuck were these created?
1: Ancient civilizations.
0: During uh, how like yeah exactly so his theory is that this must have been created before the flood before everything was wiped out that the human civilization was far more advanced than it was than it is today
1: oh certainly in certain and it ways, was there was yeah, a
0: reset yeah. it was not just a linear progression
1: well, we, there's we a were lot
0: set of, back to the stone age
1: yeah and and we will again if we don't stop the, the what we're doing to it now
0: yeah Tell us all, yeah, tell the audience where they can find your books, what they're called.
1: So you just go to Amazon. That's the best place to get them. Uh, The ones I'm going to show you today, I guess I would start with JFK in Vietnam. This is the 2017 edition. This is what you would definitely want to get. Um, And uh, where, after all the stuff that happened to it, uh, and then all my other things that I did since then, where I worked with McNamara and and other people uh, you'll find interesting. Um,
0: you worked with McNamara on that book.
1: Oh yeah, he he was a. Um, we worked together for for quite a while. He didn't want to at first. Um, he didn't want to talk to me, but eventually he did. And that's all in there. Wow. Um, and the Galbraith story—they got my rights back and lots of those things. Countdown to Darkness is where you want to go when you find out how they tried to. Um, uh, uh, you know. <laughs> pushed Kennedy to go into Cuba, and all the lies they they told and what happened. The point, you know, bit by bit. Uh, all the people who endorsed these things on the back are fun to read as well. Some of them on the inside, more recently, into the storm. Um, this will go as far as um, the Cuban Missile Crisis and Northwoods, but it stops there because I realized that there were things that I didn't understand that we're weird. So it's the first book that I didn't write a conclusion to. I called it an intermission. (laughs) And so I thought it was gonna be Armageddon next, but at the other end of the intermission ended up being this thing here, which is about spy wars. And all of a sudden we're in a new place with low-hanging fruit, low-hanging KGB fruit, all over the place. Not just one one piece of fruit, but I mean, hundreds and hundreds were still putting together how many of these moles they had. And I'm working now on uh, a sequel to this already called "Uncovering um, Uncovering Moscow's Moles" because we have a lot more, uh, including probably moles James that M- we had in Moscow. Yeah, James McCord as well. He's he's well. Uh, he's he's in there too. But uh, anyway, there's a lot more coming. But anyway. Uh, thank you for inviting me down again. I enjoyed this trip. I enjoyed the last one, and I hope uh, to have more.
0: Yes, sir. In the future. Yeah, we'll do the next one on uh, on MLK. We'll do a full deep dive on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to looking it. Looking
1: forward to myself. Yeah. All
0: right. I'll link all the books below, and uh, thanks everybody for watching. See you later.